For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. Got to tell you, people power makes a difference every time. I've been watching it so closely and, you know, we've been doing our bit on the air here as well to try and keep people informed as to what Bus Connect will do and the impact it will have. Uh, and as well as trying to acknowledge that traffic is chaotic and an awful lot of us are driving in single vehicle cars. I get all of that and that we need to change. But I can't get away from Terry Shannon's comment about trying to, you know, using a 600 million euro sledgehammer to crack a nut, uh, that there's got to be a better way. And uh, really interesting developments at council last night, both the Echo and the Examiner deal with it. Uh, Amy Nolan's got it on the front page of the Echo today, where all uh, seven Fianna Fáil councillors called on the council to reject the NTA's draft plan for these sustainable transport corridors. They want more public consultation. Sean Martin, who's been front and centre, might be good to chat with Sean over the next few days on this incidentally because he seems to be leading the charge no disrespect to a lot of the other councillors see Tony Fitzgerald as well talking about it in the Echo today saying that it's caused untold uh, chaos upset John Martin is talking about um, go back to the drawing boards and start again so it really is great that in the sense that many people and what you're talking about here really is two and a half thousand people have made submissions uh, during the initial phase of public consultations which ended last week two and a half thousand and they've got to be listened to now this cannot just be an exercise in you know doing the right thing and ignoring people at the end of the day and driving on you got Michal Martin and you got uh, Simon Coveney also very unhappy with this proposal. So you're looking at the potential acquisition of people's front gardens, the removal of on-street parking, the removal of trees, taking out a huge chunk of the Mangala, lots more like that to put in bus lanes and indeed cycle lanes. And cycle facilities really are very divisive in our in our community. So council clash over a bus plan is the front of this morning's Echo today, but Chrysler makes all of the newspapers. And, and you know, in one way, it's important to hear the life stories behind the 10 people who sadly of all different ages lost their lives in County Donegal on Friday. The front of the Indo this morning says lament for Chrysler and many, many candles have been lit all over Donegal and of course books of condolences to those 10 people who passed away. A lot of people were out uh, on vigils as well. But we hear some more of the stories behind those who died. Like for instance, the engineer Jamie O'Flaherty and his story is told in the Star today. He just went in to pay for fuel. He filled up at the Apple Green petrol station, went in to pay for fuel um, and went into the shop while his son Hamish stayed inside. Now, tragically, James lost his life, but his son managed to get away from the carnage uninjured. How? Well, the examiner picks up on that aspect of the story and they say that Hamish whose dad, as I just said, James, died in the explosion, was sitting in his father's Volvo, the service station forecourt. This is at 20 past three on Friday afternoon. And he was looking out the passenger window, a 12-year-old lad, Seamus. But apparently he then dropped something in the car and leaned forward to pick it up just as the explosion happened and claimed the lives of 10 people, destroying the service station, one or two of the apartments and the uh, the apartment block itself. And they're saying that by leaning forward and down into the footwell, saved his life. Now, 320,000 euros already been raised for victims of the families on a GoFundMe site that's been set up. It was set up on Saturday, and over 7,000 people already have uh, donated to it. And that's a story that makes the mail today. And of course... For the families now, they are uh, in the midst of preparation now 
for the burials of their loved ones, uh, while forensics and Garda Shikona and all sorts of different guard, um, government departments uh, get involved in forensically examining exactly what happened and why it happened. So it dominates many of the papers again this morning. Uh, another story that's never too far from the newspapers, or indeed stories that are shared on this here radio programme, is people's issues regarding the crisis around housing and rent and rental properties. So landlords are warning that there'll be even more of an exodus from the rental section sector if the government decides to reintroduce an evictions ban. Um, of course, we did have that in the past from time to time, certainly through COVID. And if it were to come back again, uh, where nobody could be evicted for a set period of time, landlords are saying, more landlords are saying, well, we're just going to throw or it. Uh, you know the the budget recently and all sorts of little bits of um, you know uh, you know a few bob here and a few bob there uh, were trickled down to people who need it most. Well, some of those payments are now going to be made in the coming weeks. Like for instance, pensioners now and carers, and nearly one and a half million others will get their early cost of living cash bonuses next Monday because they get a double welfare payments paid out. And then there'll be others uh, coming out across the month of November. Uh, And they're giving a list this morning about, say, for instance, the festive bonus that'll be paid out on the week beginning the 5th of December and the double pension uh, payment for pensioners who'll get €500 next week for a single pensioner or €1,000 for a couple. So significant amounts of money yeah, these are one-offs, I know, they're one-offs, but for two two people at home, both on a pension, uh, the extra is worth a grand. And I also see, talking about 1,000 euros, AIB and Bank of Ireland have decided to give their staff 1,000 euro vouchers uh, to support them in the cost of living crisis. Wouldn't it be nice if more companies that were making lots of money and great profits in a very healthy situation were doing the same for their employees? Uh, you know, it, it, I think it should be something that should be done anyway. Uh, you know, big fan of, of, of companies sharing profits with staff anyway. Uh, but Ireland's two largest banks are leading the way, giving staff a uh, thousand euro each in. I don't know what the vouchers are. I don't know what kind of voucher it might be, but you know, can be spent. You know, that's the issues we have with regards to people in court for all sorts of different reasons. A bizarre one in the examiner this morning. Liam Healand was in court. Uh, this is a driver, a twenty-four-year-old guy by the name of Finbar Enright. Uh, I think he's a, a, a Southsider. Um, uh, doing two hundred and ten kilometres an hour in an Audi. When he was in court, apparently. He, he was denying that it was him. He was saying that the Garda evidence in court was that the Garda was either making an honest mistake or was telling a barefaced lie. Uh, 210 kilometers an hour. And, and the interesting thing about it is that the chase or the, the, what was involved in trying to track him down is, goes, is gone into in the court reports. Like the judge eventually, she didn't believe him uh, with what he had to say and she convicted him of dangerous driving, drunk driving, driving under the influence of cannabis and having no insurance. I mean, he really was uh, looking for trouble. You know, dangerous driving, drunk driving, driving under the influence of cannabis and no insurance. He got €1,500 worth of fines, a prison sentence of three months and a four-year driving ban imposed. But the guard said that uh, at one stage he entered the Circle K garage in Douglas, tried again to drive away, but collided with the guard car who was trying to stop him. Uh, eventually drove back out onto the road and the car stalled. But they were clocking his speed at different places. And at one stage, 210 kilometres an hour. Uh, there are other sad stories regarding investigations by the Irish Gardaí, and that includes that awfully tragic story of a mother and child who both died. Now, I was talking about this yesterday, Kate Donoghue, 44-year-old mam and her 11-month-old baby, Vincent. This is a story from 
at Clonny in Dublin Saturday afternoon and both were discovered dead and I don't mean to upset people uh, but the papers this morning say um, that she uh, could have used a lethal dose of insulin on herself and her infant son uh, and there is another story that isn't too far from that with regards to insulin uh, th- but this is this is a, a court case in the UK where murder charges have been um, um, uh, preferred against an NHS nurse and they say this nurse was a poisoner at work who murdered seven babies and attempted to kill ten others by sabotaging their treatment. This is the allegation in court made against Lucy Letby, a 32-year-old nurse, apparently. And she's been charged because babies began collapsing in unexplained circumstances. And she's now been charged with seven murders, 15 attempted murders, relating to 17 children in all, while she was working in the hospital. They say in the London Times this morning that she allegedly attempted to kill one child on three occasions. She's she's pleaded not guilty to a total of 22 charges. But the Red Hops pick up on the story this morning where they say that jurors heard some evidence yesterday that she's alleged to have injected either insulin or air into her tiny victims or fed them too much milk during the year-long spree. Uh, and this is um, a story from tooth in and around 2015, 2016. Baby milk makes the papers in other ways, or at least what you feed a baby makes the papers. The Green Party are saying, if you want to get more people, women, breastfeeding, we need to have lessons in secondary school on breastfeeding in a boost to bid the natural feeding rates for babies. Now, I can remember a time when breastfeeding rates in Ireland were shockingly low. They're saying they're still quite low. Um, but, I mean, it's still an impressive statistic, even if they could get it up higher. But we're among the lowest in the world, with less than two-thirds of Irish babies being breastfed. Like, apparently, 90% of babies in Australia are breastfed, and 80% in the UK, and almost 80% in uh, the US. But we're, we're here we're below, maybe around 66-65%. Crikey, I can remember when that would have been much lower. 30-35%. Papers this morning, you might have heard they're talking about um, I mean, kind of interested when, when restaurants and takeaways are closed for periods of time because it gives you an insight into how careful you need to be where you go, what chipper you visit or what Chinese you visit or what Thai you visit or indeed what you know pizza uh, take-up you get or take-out you get because uh, the story that made the news there a while ago, King Pizza in Knocknagree was ordered to be closed for a period of time. But it reminded me of two other stories from yesterday. And one was the video that's circulating of, circulating of the fight at Dixie Chicken. I mean, it was absolutely vicious. Don't, don't ask me when, because I, I can't actually work out is it current or is it an old one or what branch. And the other one, there was the characters up on the two horses inside in Supermax in Ballinasloe. In they go. Were they, were they horses or big ponies? I'm not quite sure. Literally, Walked in. Well, actually, there were ponies. They didn't. They didn't. They just kind of not not so much trotted in, like just that kind of a pace around the shop, around the takeaway. The staff trying to get them out up on the two horses inside in the supermax and balling the slow. And there are other stories then that relate to how happy we are or how sad we are. But apparently, children who enjoy beach holidays, according to the Sun, grow up to be happier adults. Don't be taking them to theme parks. Don't be taking them to Disney World. Don't be taking them to the Marys or any of that kind of nonsense. Hit the beach for hours on end. It makes a huge difference. And uh, when you're down there and you might have a bag of chips, I know, 
It's a kind of a summer-related story. But the seagulls are driving you crazy trying to rob your chips. That's simply because there are too many damn seagulls there in the first place. So the, finally for you, there's a story in The Sun today uh, who's, uh, where we have a politician, a Fine Gael uh, councillor, who's saying that we should be leaving out pellets stuffed with contraceptive drugs as part of the war on Ireland's pesky seagull population. So while they don't want to give free contraceptives to everybody moving around on two feet just yet, they're happy to give free contraception to seagulls because there's, there's too many of them. Years ago, they used to poison them. They used to cull the seagulls, actually, by poisoning the, the food and the grain. It used to happen down the Keys years ago. I don't know if that happens anymore. But now free contraception to keep the seagull population down. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork. The Neil Prendeville Show. It's the best in Cork. On Red FM. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Can I just talk about, you know, um, we're talking about that incident there with regards to your man driving at 210 kilometres an hour. It's amazing when you read court reports like that, but have you ever been in a situation where you um, are invo- almost involved in a really serious accident? I mean, you witnessed one, Kevin, yesterday. Uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. about three seconds earlier down the road and I would have been... Yeah. I wouldn't have come into work today. I'd yeah, well, I, I was that guy as well yesterday in the tunnel, and I'll, I'll tell you some more about that in a few minutes' time. Mm. It could have been absolutely catastrophic, mm what I was involved in but just tell me what you witnessed so I was coming home um, yesterday in town and I was driving behind um, this uh, this kind of uh, it seemed like an elderly driver at the speed they were driving at so I just took a handy I was in no great rush I was on the way home and uh, came. she came out of traffic lights and the traffic lights were green and all of a sudden another car out of nowhere flying along the road totally T-boned into, into, into the side of the car and so if you'd been her car that would have been you that would have been she me. was the car ahead of you okay, yeah. yeah but the, actually it would have been better if it was me in a way because the woman who was driving had her elderly mother in the passenger seat so the car you know the, the, the mother was sitting in the passenger seat and the car obviously went into the passenger side because she was going straight oh on oh my and the guy god was the elderly the mother's side the elderly mother's side so that was a it was just I, I just it, it was kind of one of those weird things where um, you know I, I saw him I kind of saw the, the other car coming and by the time I saw him it was it was bang two cars railed across the road middle of the afternoon kind no, of no it was at night it was about uh, okay. it was late, late enough last night okay. yeah okay. and um, it was it, like you know there was um, I, I don't I don't know what the, the, the ultimate circumstances are, but it was it was scary to see now everyone was okay nobody was really seriously hurt thank God but the damage done was was quite significant like it was a significant speed the the, the fellow so he hit her, the door of hit the, the door of the, side, car, the elderly side, mother yeah, airbags would have gone off it's a wonder pass- that somebody wasn't killed but. It, it was a big crash. Big crash. And two elderly women in the car. Like, I mean, the driver wasn't, was in her mid- middle age, but the, there was the mother and the mother's friend were in the car, both elderly women. Like, I mean, the shock do you get at that age when that happens? I mean, I'd have been shocked enough, never mind to say. What would you do next? What happened next? Just just got out of the... the first thing I'd just pull in, put on the hazards and rang the guards and rang the ambulance. And, uh, you know, the woman came out to me and she didn't really want the ambulance to be rang, but I just said, look, an elderly woman 
get the ambulance out here. So they arrived first, actually, um, and then they had to call fire. Very quickly? Very quickly. Four minutes, four or five Good minutes. I reckon they were a clan crew. I reckon they were in town already, and they were called out. Um, fire were next to pull them apart, and then eventually the guards arrived and started doing their... Okay, we won't say too much about that, because no. it could be part of a guard investigation. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and no, I won't say too much about the driver who hit them, but she no. went through a green, basically. She was in the right, so she went through the green light, and it just... I don't know what happened. But I suppose, look, we've all... We've all been there where there's a pedestrian crossing that we've gone, oh, you know, <laughs> like you've kind of missed it or something. You or mean chasing the yellow? Is no, no, I, orange, what I mean is, no, no, because the lights are green for for quite a while. I more mean that, you know, you're driving distracted or something happens and you go through a light or you go through it. No, I haven't say I've never gone through a red, gone straight through the middle of a red light, but I've seen it happen where people have just been distracted or have got confused and okay. they've gone straight through it. But it was a very, it was a scary enough crash like I mean in terms of the injuries there was no major injuries and everything was, was sussed out I think the woman was taken to hospital in the end okay. but okay. it was scary to see well, this, guy, this guy um, was Langer's like this guy he, he was he was done for he was done for drink driving um, uh, apparently they're saying he had a total of 26 previous convictions he got a 1500 euro fine a prison sentence three months and a ban of four years off the road dangerous driving drunk driving driving while under the influence of cannabis and no insurance well, how I mean, that is in that insanely reckless. But uh, this is the thing. Like, no insurance. I, you're toting cannabis. You're over the drink drive limit, and you're um and you're and you're speeding at two hundred ten kilometers an hour. Twenty six previous convictions. How do you end up still being able to be allowed in the road? Like this is this is the thing about and it is obviously the cliche about it. But look, I I you know my girlfriend is currently learning to drive and. I often say to her, you could be the best driver in the world and you could just be in the wrong place at the wrong time okay. and that's the risk. So I was in the wrong place at the wrong time yesterday because it was going down to Little Island and it was around about, I don't know, two o'clock, half past two. I was in the tunnel, right? Mm. And you, you can really see how serious accidents occur you know, because when you witness something that almost becomes a massive accident. And, you know, there's all it, it was actually quite free-flowing heading, you know, towards the Jack Lynch Tunnel from the south side. Mm. Um, and when you go into the there are two lanes. You've got the left lane and the right lane, okay? You drive into the tunnel. The minute you hit the tunnel, you've got to stay in your lane. In fact, for about 100, 100 meters before it, you cannot move lanes. So the left lane was moving very, very slowly. Don't know why, but very slowly. The right lane, the one which I was in, because I was going to be going to Little Island, was moving reasonably quickly. Maybe we were doing 60, 65 kilometers an hour. I think you can do a max of 80 in the tunnel, I think, but no more. And then, almost like as if in slow motion, I see this huge Arctic in the left lane decide to change lanes. It was a stopped Arctic. He, he wasn't moving or anything. So he slowly turned the wheel and I could see this happening in front of me and how was how big was the gap between yourself and the like how much of a gap did he have to get this about <laughs> insanely illegal uh, manoeuvre done um, uh, about 20 metres 20-30 yards kind of a thing um, it was it was scary uh, and to see this huge big arctic literally pull across the tunnel into the right hand lane right in front of me mm-hmm. right so I I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I was saying, this is it. This is how it... No, seriously, this is how it ends now. Not just for you, but for a lot of other people. This was a big Arctic. This, mm. You hit this thing, you're going under it, and you're dead. Um, so I jammed on the brakes. Like, real, I don't think I've ever hit brakes so hard in all my life. And the car just 
just they didn't quite stop on in its track but I stopped um, but it was the cars behind me with mm. the problem I, I could you can't really see a whole lot because it's kind of darkish in there but there was cars also jamming on behind me so the guy behind me jammed on and the guy behind or, or girl I don't know behind that car did so we na- but your man in the Arctic was taken absolutely I'm, I'm flashing at the guy of course it's all over at that stage I managed to stop and not hit him luckily but I couldn't help but think so I drove on and I, I couldn't help but think afterwards you know something this is not right okay this is wrong people shouldn't drive like this and if this guy is such an idiot that he doesn't know that you do not change lanes in a tunnel under the River Lee then he needs to be told it or reminded it because it could be my son or my daughter or your girlfriend or my wife or something and I, and I would never be able to live with their loss if they died because of this idiot so I managed to come up alongside him right and I got the name of the transport company and I've never done anything like this in my life ever I'm kind of just live and let live, you know, mm. rock and roll, man, everything would be fine. But I just couldn't get it out of my head. So I got the name of the transport company and I'm driving down to Little Island thinking, what am I going to do? So I pulled in Little Island and I googled the name of the transport company. Um, I won't give out the name of the transport company, but they're a transport company up in Kilkenny. So I rang them and I told them exactly what I told you, how this guy driving their Arctic in the tunnel, change lanes, and nearly caused a major crash. Now, I didn't want to be saying any more than that. I'm not interested in getting onto guards or, you know, dash cam footage or anything like that. I just wanted to let them know that they need to have a word with this guy. Mm. I don't know w- why somebody is driving a big Arctic if they think it's okay to change lanes in the middle of a tunnel. Now, your one was very apologetic about it, and she said she would, and thank you, and I'm very sorry, and all that. So she was, she was lovely about it. But like, what, what happened yesterday? We could, I might, firstly, I mightn't be here and somebody else would be on the air or other radio station be talking about a major pileup and an explosion in the tunnel. Mm. Uh, but I, 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 I just think... But here's the other point as well, Neil. If you went into the back of that truck because, and he caused the accident, who's liable? Is well, he, you? He, see, I'd, I'd have it on dash cam, this moron move. Yeah, but like if you go into the back of him, ah, yeah, is, that, is, the, a, is it you at fault then? Oh, I'm, in, I'm at fault if I go into the back of him and he's in the lane in front of me all of the time. But this was beyond reckless. Mm. This is an Arctic driver. This must yeah, be the I best know. drivers on the road. But I've seen people, I've seen, like, oftentimes going in the other direction, let's say going uh, westbound on the on the tunnel, coming out coming out of the Donkettle, because the, the lanes are coming from different sides. You end up in a slightly slower driver on the inside lane going through the tunnel. And people undertaking them, people indicating, going into the slow lane and undertaking people in the tunnel I just think there's at the moment there seems to be a real feeling amongst a lot of drivers about I need to get there now I, I, I'm like I need my, to get I there know, and I it's, it's, I'll do like there's yeah. break there's breaking red lights and what are you saving a minute or two here and there like I hope we haven't got a problem with, with staff like that I hope to God that the drivers who are driving these big trucks no disrespect to those that are brilliant at their job and good morning to all of you but I hope there's not a slip in standards because it's hard to get drivers now and you have an idiot like this in an Arctic mm. and then you wonder why there's so many accidents in the tunnel and why you know and if you had gone under him, gone under him I mean obviously you, the person behind you would have gone I mean you could have stopped and the person behind you could have gone through the back of you and sent you underneath it. Well, a fast-moving you know? fast car that meets a stationary Arctic, mm. the Arctic's not going to move no. and my car is going to stop and the car behind me is going to hit me and so on and so forth. Mm. And it was, re- it, okay, it was flowing, but it was reasonably busy. There would have been a lot of people killed or hurt. Mm. I'm, I'm just... 
But I just, I just do think at the moment there's an awful lot of like people knowing what they do, what they're doing, they shouldn't be doing, but kind of trying to get away with it. Yeah, you know, a lot of like I just see the amount of people you, breaking red lights at the moment trying. Well, what should we be lights. doing about it? Like it's all very well. It's easy to for me, even though I've never done anything like that before, to ring the the, the transport company. Mm. You know, I'm, but but I don't want to be encouraging people to engage in road rage. You know, no, I don't. And, that's I, not but, the and I don't want to be. I don't want to be like sounding like you're 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 ratting on people or that you're you're calling out people. But like, I I see dangerous driving. I've seen dangerous driving happening in front of squad cars. I've seen people dangerously overtaking into oncoming traffic where there is a squad car and I've thought to myself that's grand now I'm waiting for him to turn back around the road and I, I don't know is it just a lack of appetite or and I'm not saying this is putting squarely on the guards I'm just saying that I've seen instances before where there's been dangerous driving in front of Gardy and because they're not necessarily speeding or they haven't been caught with a gun it's kind of well you know. Yeah, no, I do. I do see them pulling people though, mm. but it's for funny. dangerous driving. I, I, I do, and I, and 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 one of the more interesting ones is the is the unmarked cars pulling people. Mm. See it on the link a lot. Mm. You know? Funny you mentioned that about a lot of dangerous driving. I took a phone call last week from a sales rep that I know pretty well and he travels the country and he says there's a lot of kind of speed and aggression on the roads now and he, that he's never seen before. Would you blame Would you blame some of that aggression though with the chaos in the city? Well, probably not, but it's like the whole place has been backed up for the last five weeks. They seem to be working on every road and there's no let up for anybody. A lot of texts on this actually, which I'll do after the break. Anyway, up to speed on that. That's what happened yesterday with regards to myself and indeed Kevin. Lucky to be here. Back after the break. Text your own thoughts. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Gork's Red FM. Okay, well, I come back to issues regarding daily traffic chaos in the city, and many people have been texting on that. So text 0868-104-106. But I did see uh, an online post there on Sunday from Paul Dingovan, whose car and van were vandalized. Yes, both his car and van. But I was very interested because he has put forward. Um, not a hundred euro award, not five hundred euro award, not a thousand euro award, but five thousand euro for any information that leads to the arrest, as he calls it, the scumbags that did it. And Paul joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Nick. First of all, pal, that's a lot of dosh. Why five grand? Are you that angry? Oh, I'm fuming. Like and it's not because of the damage to the car or the van. Like they could be fixed. Like, but it was just they came to my house when my child is like. I know. Yeah, you got you got mm-hmm. photographs that you posted online. This is about two in the morning. What happened? That's all. I, I don't know. I, I fell asleep in the sitting room on the couch. I was right inside the window, so I I don't even know how I didn't hear it. Like, but um, I just woke at about twenty twenty nine in the morning. And they were knocking at the door, and he said, "Paul, you know your car and your van have been busted up." So yeah, you serious? So I just. Open the door wide and stepped out and just seen it. Like, I couldn't leave it. Like. Okay, so rather than me describing the damage, let you describe it. What what did they do? He or they or she? I don't know. I just went to town. Went to town in my car. All the side, the driver's door and the back, the back door glass weren't broke, but they were all damaged. They obviously tried to break them but couldn't. So they drove golf clubs through the windscreen of the car, the back the back windscreen of the car and my the driver door of my van. Yeah, you're forgetting about the roof though. 
Sorry? The roof. Am I not looking at a roof here that's been caved in? No, 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 no. There's no there was no roof caved in. There's a photograph of a huge big hole, gaping hole. Oh, that's probably actually just a different angle of the back window. You're probably that's right the there. Back window. That's the back window screen, yeah. Yeah. Um is this in a housing estate? In Formoy? Yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. Right. Loads of just your cars? Just your car and van? Just my car and van, yeah. Okay. Do you have any CCTV cameras or anything? I, do, I have I have one right on the porch, actually looking right at the car. But I changed um, Wi-Fi providers only a couple of weeks ago. And I couldn't connect it to the new Wi-Fi. And they said, here, I get to it. I, I, I'll do it later or something. Because like, it, it was bugging me like it was just... And I never got around to doing it. Like, so if you had done, you'd have caught them, but they possibly would have had their faces covered or masks. More likely, or, or, because we, we found latex gloves in the green. So they came over and they done it, and then they shot off through the green and ripping off their latex gloves and everything. So they came prepared to do it. Like, okay, so you think the motive was robbery, was it? No, it wasn't robbery, because again, I fell asleep and the, the car was open, the van was open. There was, like, there was expensive drills and saws in the back of the van that weren't touched. So they just came with, I, I, I'm going to assume there was two to three lads because there was at least three golf clubs, half golf clubs. So we reckon they snapped them in half and hid them up their sleeves so they could obviously walk to my house and do it, like, from wherever they had their car or wherever how they got their like. So they just, just came up, started banging, smashing, and took off again, like. So did they leave the golf clubs behind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one inside when it, I, I didn't know did it go through the windscreen and it kind of got stuck in my steering wheel. There was one down beside my car and there was one right at my van. So yeah. there was three different clubs. But they took nothing. Why? Did alarms go off or what? No, no. As I said, so I was after leaving. I was after falling asleep. I was after leaving the car open. They never locked the car. So they if it was if the they were, they're so thick that if it was if it was robbery they were after they never bothered to check the lock first or the door handle. No, but I I I, I believe it wasn't to do robbery. I just believe it was someone just had a chip on the shoulder or something. You know? Do you think you were picked out for a reason? Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, I received because I I just I received the call. Obviously, I won't say any names yeah. or anything like that. Yeah. yeah, I received the call with someone telling me that they found out they know who did it. Now they're saying they didn't do it just because of money or anything because the person I know very, very well and they don't want to be brought into it but they they, they were told and they said, look, I, I'm not doing this. I want, I want no money. I want nothing, Paul. Um, I, just, I just think you deserve to know so I know who done it. Like. Good God. So have you told the guard all about that? I told the guard. I kind of got, I tried to get word to them yesterday or yeah, what well, yesterday? So the person knows that I know. They've kind of denied it, but there was stuff said that only could have came from them as to why they done it. Trying to prove it is another thing, though, isn't it? That's that's it. Like, well, I told the guard. So, like, the the guards know now. Like, I gave him the opportunity. I said all the person has to do is call me. If he calls me by the end of the day, yesterday I didn't tell the guards until last night. I said if I got a call by the end of the day, an apology, a reassurance that it, it'll never happen again. That'll be the end of it, like. It'll be the end of it, apart from who's going to do all the repairs to the van and the car. Again, I, I, they're getting done. As, uh, the, the van's been fixed today. The car's gone off since yesterday. Like, again, they're not important, like. I just want to make sure 
that I get some sort of assurance that you know they're not going to target around my house again where my child is. Like. Okay, but you uh, but you'd be seriously out of pocket though for the repairs. Uh, somewhat. The insurance is going to cover the, the the windscreen of the car. The side windows, all right. They're all scratched and marked, and the tint is taken off from them and stuff. So then I have to pay. It's around six hundred euros, like, and I had to pay for a fella to come and pick the car up. So both. About seven fifty, I'm out of pocket. Like so, not too bad. Like, I hope that's the end of it because obviously you would be worried that you know something else could happen. You know, with regards to the, to, to your house or whatever. You know, but, yeah, but yeah. you know, Guardian from Moy are investigating though. Yeah, and they're doing extra patrols up around this area and all the time and stuff. So in unmarked cars and the marked cars and stuff. So, and I'm. I'm in contact with a fella to pull up a few, a few cameras all around my house as well so he's going to be coming to me soon as well to get shame to, to be living like that isn't it it is it is I know as I said like, but I know who did it like, and I know he's been going through a tough time and stuff like, and he's kind of Hit drug, he got gone bad and drugs and stuff. He got himself into some trouble and everything, mm. like you know. So, like, well, I have to say that you're being very, you're being very Christian about the whole thing, very compassionate about it. You know, an apology and move on. That's all. That's all he went to Like just an apology. Like this. Like he knows. He knows me. He knows. He knows. He knows my daughter Ali. All right. Well, well, we won't say. Know. We won't say any more than that because uh, no, certainly no, with the guard no, investigation, what have you? Yeah. 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 Just, just he, he knows us and we know him and you know as I said. So it's a, you're, call, you're calling to do the right thing and move on. That's it. Just like an apology if he needs help with anything. All he should do is ask. Like yeah. Fair play to you. Oh. Fair play. Fair play. I hope oh. it's I hope it's resolved. I really do. I do, yeah. All right. Okay, my man. Thanks for taking the call, all right? Let me know no, if there's no. an update on that, all right? Absolutely. Thanks for me. Take care. Take care. Cheers. Text yeah. 0868104106. Just back to traffic in the city. Uh, and if you've been driving through it or trying to get across it, you'll know what we're talking about. Um, Graham says, whoever changed the layout on the keys should be thrown off Christie Ring Bridge and made swim up the lee. Worst decision ever with regards to the keys. I'd say they got a pretty penny uh, to, to knowing, I'd say they got a pretty penny to knowing the waste of money that goes on in City Hall. Uh, seriously, why aren't these decisions put to the people of the city rather than signed off by clowns? Um, anyone involved in the changing of the city should be sacked or at least made answer as to why this was allowed to happen. Um, another one, it's an absolute joke and it gets me is that they just don't get it. The Green Party want to save the environment by less time travelling. Instead of taking me a 20-minute journey, it could now take me one hour. How is that saving the environment by driving less? What do they think they've achieved by all of the changes they've made to our city? For one thing, it's definitely on helping the environment. There's one thing I was reminded there, actually, because somebody was saying that whoever uh, changed the layouts of the keys should be thrown off Christie Ring Bridge. Do you ever see, have you been up at the airport recently, anybody? Because um, I was picking up somebody at the airport about uh, 10 days ago and I posted a photograph and video on my Instagram page of poor old Christy Ring. Ah, uh, lads, it's just so sad. Christy Ring is banished to one of the outer regions of the airport forecourt. You just would not see him. Just no way would you see him. The only reason that I came across him at all and found him on his perch with his uh, hurley and his slitter in motion was because I was hanging around a little bit early. They need to move Christie Ring from there. I mean, they got to get him into the airport or closer to the airport or else Cork Airport need to give up the sculpture and the monument and give it, I don't know, to Parky Cueve or something uh, or Parky Ring or something 
and put him in a place where he deserves. Because I think it's very disrespectful. It's insane, the position. It's just way off footfall. No one can see it. Text 0868104106. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818104106. Red FM. A uh, great story for you. Just an update. They were baiting the sugar into the kids up in Skull Bernadette in Montanati uh, yesterday. You might remember Laura, who was on the air weeks ago, and she was telling us about her weekend as part of our Monday Munchies giveaway um, with Offbeat Donuts. And she'd gone to see Garth Brooks on her own, right? And she was chatting with me on the air. But she also was telling me on the air that she was gone up to Dublin for Garth Brooks, but visited her nephew, Leighton, because Leighton was in Crumlin Hospital at the time. And I promised to get a box of donuts to him when he was home and when he was feeling better. Well, he came back home then a couple of weeks ago and we went, went, we went one better because we had special boxes of delicious donuts delivered, not just to him, but to all of his classmates in Skull Bernadette in Montanati. And the Red Patrollers hand-delivered them, courtesy of ourselves and Offbeat Donuts yesterday. And Skull Bernadette is a lovely school for kids with uh, extra needs. And they had a nice little feed yesterday, all of his class. So I'd say that Leighton was the hero of the class yesterday. So delighted to be able to oblige. And thank you to Offbeat Donuts. There was never a problem when they asked them. They sorted it out and the Red Patrollers delivered them yesterday. Something else that has not been sorted out, and I've been dealing with this from time to time over the last uh, few weeks. In fact, Mick Mulcahy also, I think, spoke and got an update from Paul O'Mahony last week when I was away because Paul went on hunger strike in St. Vincent's. You might remember his his brother Jamie featured on this program some time ago when he was evicted from the home that he was in down in the city area uh, and had to go into other temporary accommodation because he and his pals were moved out of a property so that a family could move in. Um, but that's when I came across Paul who said that he had been uh, within homeless services uh, for many years and uh, was absolutely sick to the death of living in homeless shelters and living in, in St. Vincent's and things like that. So he went on hunger strike. Well, he came off hunger strike after 72 hours because he was told that he would be moved from St. Vincent's to the Commons Inn where he would be given, I don't know whether it be his own room or his own bed or what have you. Um, but I just wanted to update on that story. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Um, so you, because I wasn't here when you came off the hunger strike. 70, 72 hours, was it? Yeah, that's right, Neil. Uh, they came up with an intervention. Um, I was happy enough with the intervention that they came up with. Ha, but just, so, I'm just curious as to how are you feeling after 72 hours without any food? What was that like? I, 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 it, it, it was, it, no, by no means it wasn't easy. Um, it was tough going. Um, as you can imagine, feeling hungry, you know, all you could do was drink water, you know. Um, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't easy. And then you suppose you have the thought of going further than that and, you know, like weakness there could set in and you could just collapse or anything, you know. But you, you were, like, that was three 24-hour periods, three days and nights, 72 hours. Do, do you yeah. come, do, do, do you pass the point where you no longer feel hungry? You, you see, you'd guess, you know, your regular times of eating during the day, they'd be main, the main times that you'd start feeling hungry and stuff. <clears throat> so, once they, them times kind of passed, you know, the hungry feeling just went away. Yeah. yeah, okay, okay. So you came off the hunger strike because you were offered a place in the Commons. What, a bed or a bedroom or what? There was a hotel room. 
Right. Okay. Um, you'd have your own shower and things inside there, you know. I was happy enough to take it. Um, but the night before, actually taking it, there was a verbal disagreement between myself and another resident. And I feel that the staff inside the Vincent's jumped, jumped onto the bandwagon, didn't listen to what I had to say or what actually happened. And so I was, I was thrown out. And Jamie, <sighs> at this stage, was actually up in bed. Your brother. And they actually threw him out as well. You know, so I, I feel that myself and Jamie have been targeted you know, for the campaign that I ran within the Vincents. Well, I don't know about that. They would have been happy for you to go to the Commons because you would never have been, you no longer would have been an issue or a worry for them on hunger strike. So what can you tell me about the disagreement without identifying anybody? It was just a disagreement. You know, some fellas disagreed with what I was doing, um, going on hunger strike and stuff and you know, and some people didn't like the fact that I was highlighting the Vincents when they were living in there, you know, and just, uh, like, it, okay, it was, I understand I've done the, that yeah. myself. I understand like, that, you know. yeah. And uh, well, it, was it physical or was it just a shouting match? Ah, uh, it wasn't physical at all. It was far from it, you know, it was just verbal. And on that basis, verbal. just a bit of a verbal argy-bargy, you were thrown out and the offer of accommodation in the Commons was rescinded, taken away. Taken away and an alleged incident as the council said you know so the council then jumped the bandwagon they punished me but in the meantime they punished Jamie again so where have the two of you been and how how long ago did this happen it uh, happened last week last week um, I've been walking myself and Jamie had to walk the streets of Cork City it was three nights Um, in the meantime Jamie Jamie had suicidal thoughts and things, he'd go to his doctor, he's now heavily medicated over the treatment that Cox City Council had to put him under. So and, and, and then he was eventually and then he was eventually accepted back into Vincent's, was he? Yeah, he was eventually. Right. You know, but I don't see why he should have been punished or like he'd no involvement in what I was doing, the campaign I was running inside there, you know? Yeah, I know, I know. Trying to get the conditions in there a lot better than what they are. Yeah, but some of the residents didn't want it highlighted because they thought it was disrespectful to them and where they live. Yeah, but you see, Neil, like, I wasn't giving out other people's names and stuff over the radio. I know so that. No, I wouldn't do that. I, I respect that. everybody in there. Yeah. yeah. You know? Well, I, I, did, I did get some photographs of the interior and different areas, of, particularly the bathrooms and the toilets and the showers and, and what have you. So, what, so you, were you like sleeping in doorways again then? I refused to sleep in doorways and things. I was just walking the streets. I actually didn't sleep for three days. But you did. Eat, but you did eat at some stage, didn't you? When you came off the hunger strike, and everything. I did. I yeah. did, Neil. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And where are you now? Where are you staying well, these days? I, I was lucky enough to stay in a friend's house now last night, Neil. But that can't happen every night either, you know. It's it's tough going like at the moment, and the Cork City Council should be ashamed of themselves what they're doing. You know, and they like they come up with an intervention, take take me off the streets, take me off sleeping on friends' couches and things. You know, which they're not doing. Like, it's and how did the city hall? How did they let you know that you were no longer welcome in the Commons? Did they? Was it? Was this a written thing? It was sent to me through email. And do you have it there? Um, I have it. Yeah, but I don't know if I can get it up now. Neil. All right. Okay. But it, you give me the gist of what it said. 
basically, um, they withdrew the comments on the grounds of an, an alleged incident that happened in the uh, Vincent. Did they ever ask you about the incident or for your side of it? They had no interest in my right to say at all. None. No, no, was, they just jumped the bandwagon and took the opportunity while they could. Okay. How do you feel about all that, considering that you went through the hunger strike period, were promised a place, somebody gave you grief, the place was taken away? It's disheartening, really, Niels. You know, it's, it's a struggle even being in there in the first place and then to be thrown out of there and put in the streets. You know, it's, it's just disheartening, you know. Talk to the council should be ashamed of themselves. What are you going to do now? Struggle on. Struggle on. That's the reality of it, Niels, you know. But you're in a worse situation now than you were before, bad and all, as you say, St. Vincent's was. You don't have nowhere. You neither have that nor the commons. You can't couch no. surf all of the time. I don't know how long you can stay with your pal, but what's the plan? You see, that's the thing, Neil. You try, you, you see, you try, you try plan ahead and things like that. You try to get out of the system. You're going around revolving doors. You know, it's constant surface. It's never ending. You know, and that's that's just the reality of what the government are doing to the country. Like, there's a lot of people going around in circles. Yeah. You know, and it, it, the main thing behind it all, Neil, is that it needs to be highlighted. Would you mind, so, if I get on to the City Hall to ask them for their version of events? Um, I'm not saying that they'll respond or anything, but just to see what they have to say as to why they did what they did. You can, you, you, you sure can, Neil. Okay. Sure okay. can, bye. Okay. All right, There's my no man. Answer. Okay, stay in touch, all right? And uh, let's see no what they have to say on the matter and see what happens next. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Text 0868104106 for that and all of the business. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Just a few on traffic, and there is a, a traffic incident on the N40 dual carriageway heading eastbound towards Corraheen. A texter, Kieran, says, looks like three cars are involved in an accident in the outside lane. Guardy on the scene. Major traffic build-up. Drivers, beware and avoid the air if possible. Uh, currently one as you exit eastbound just after the Balancholic exit. Uh, and tunnel-related stuff, uh, following up on my own incident in the tunnel yesterday. Uh, the same thing happened to me two weeks ago. An Arctic literally pulled over in front of me with another car in front of me, and there was no indication whatsoever. It was only that I was aware that he was making this manoeuvre that I jammed on the brakes. I was lucky there wasn't a car right behind me. But like you, I thanked God I was paying attention to the road. This happened coming out of the tunnel. When I passed him, he was actually on his phone, completely oblivious to what he just did. Like, I'd have a serious worry if that was, as you say, another art, another Arctic, and your man is inside in the Arctic changing lanes in the tunnel while also on his mobile phone. These Arctic drivers are supposed to be the and are, by and large, the most trained on the ball drivers you can get on a road but yet your story and mine from yesterday indicate that some of them in Arctic's just haven't a clue back after 10 I'm Rory and I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local national and international sport every weekend on the Big Red Bench that's the Big Red Bench every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM you're listening to the number one talk show in Cork the Neil Prendeville Show double gold award winners at the National Imro Radio Awards this is Cork's Red FM. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It says here by text, come here to me, come here to me. 
I thought this was Cork's biggest talk show and no mention of our biggest soccer team. You're absolutely right. I actually didn't hear the news until I got off air yesterday. My fault. But there was no mention yesterday morning on this programme of Cork City's promotion. Finally back, as our texter says, to the Premier Division after two years in the wilderness. I thought you'd mention it and there wasn't a word. So yeah, my apologies for that. I imagine it's fair to say that it's fantastic, yes, to be back in the Premier Division. But I wouldn't say they were in the wilderness. They were working hard and working away over the past two years, I think it's fair to say, to get back into the Premiership. And that's my tuppence worth on them. But congratulations to all. Ah, he's the headphones on again. This is this is the frustrated sportsman in you, I think. I can't... 30 seconds. I can't turn down an opportunity now to get this mentioned on air because we do... Uh, we cover city stories from time to time and an awful lot of time it seems that... So, unfortunately, it seems to be negative, but this is a brilliant No, no, story. it's not. No, it's just the odd time when there's a, a cold oh, match or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whenever we go to comments. No, I'm just... Look, everyone who probably listens who knows my voice knows that I'm a mad Cork City fan I think everybody in the Lyrath at the Imrose on Friday knew that City had gotten promoted myself and our sportsman Rory O'Hagan were, were indulging ourselves in some of the chants and songs at the Lyrath I wasn't watching I wasn't watching I wasn't watching Brenda Ville. What you were watching it? we'll have to get you out to a game at some point no, no, we'll have to get you out opening you can cut the ribbon for a new stand I, I think at one there was a time and a period way back when I probably wasn't welcome yeah. but I probably am welcome again I'd now. say you're safe enough we're, we're a forgiving just, bunch if I could just go with Moses next to me I'd be happy ah him. yeah well you'll be safe in Moses' <laughs> hands it's probably the only place you will be in guaranteed safe in Moses' hands in fairness to him I'm no but did look br- brilliant back in the Premier back in the big time let's kick it on from here now and it's great look for Cork it's a big sporting city we always talk about it as a sporting city so um, hopefully there's one more game now to go in the end of the season it would be great to give them a massive send off so right. delighted back where they deserve Overman. ok ok that's your tuppence worth uh, on Bus Connect you're missing the big point regarding the bus corridor the Cork politicians that you were referring to earlier are now only jumping on the bandwagon for their own gain they should have been the one all over it and not just because of public outcry after all, they would have been aware of these plans before the public were said and did nothing until the public reacted. They're simply not in touch with people and they just don't care. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. I was going into the tunnel last week from Little Island side and a guy in a huge big tractor machine was in the inside lane and indicated to head into the back road to Little Island, just at the tunnel. He was in the lane and everything was fine, but decided at the last minute that he was going the wrong way and pulled straight out beside me and almost wiped me out in the tunnel. Uh, It was as if he didn't see me. Like you, I braked and just prayed. I certainly thought I was a goner. Um, Somebody sent me um, another text saying people are constantly, we were referencing earlier, driving through red lights, um, and the crash that uh, Kevin came across. People are constantly driving through red lights. I see it daily on the Sarsfield Road roundabout and the Bandon Road roundabouts, and they're busy junctions. I'm actually amazed that there aren't more car crashes on the roads. You got to wonder: Are they? Do they know that the light is red, but still barrel on, or is it they're just not paying attention and don't even see the lights? Um, and one final one on this, because somebody sent me a screen grab as well of a sign that you probably will see on a lot of arctics and trucks. And it says, if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. I spotted this on the back of a truck one day, and I have to say it's the best and most sensible sign I've ever seen on the back of an articulated lorry. Years ago, and a texture reminds me of this, there used to be signs on the back of vans and different cars, or, you know, not necessarily cars, but vans and, and trucks and whatever you Uh, And it would be along the lines of, um, you know, how's my driving? Call this free phone number. Texter is suggesting I don't see many of those 
anymore. Yeah, um, they're handy out, though. Although I've never done it before. I never picked up the phone and rang the company whose driver was behaving in an erratic or a crazy manner like yesterday. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Okay, just one final one then with regards to driving and stuff like that and bad driving. Hi, I'm a taxi driver. You're on about bad driving. I'm a taxi driver. The latest craze I see are people driving with dogs on their lap. Could you believe it? Dogs literally sitting on their lap and they're driving away to their heart's content. I mean, I'm not even a fan. I don't even think it's legal for dogs to be in the front passenger seat, never mind in the lap of a driver. I'm assuming they're small dogs and they're not big Labradors or big golden retrievers and stuff like that. But the world is insane with that and people on their mobile phones and texting and things like that. Anyway, I will come back to them. Keep them coming. Text 0868104106. When I was talking about the budget there recently, um, one of the things that I touched on was uh, foster carers. And I hear advertising on the air these days, um, advertising and advertising breaks talking about people who um, could be encouraged to become foster carers. This is the HSE and possibly Tusla trying to get people to become foster care um, parents. Um, And we were chatting about that about a week, maybe 10 days ago, around the time of the budget because they got absolutely nothing in the budget and haven't done for... I I think the the number is, is 22 years since there was any kind of substantial increase to those that are fostering children. Siobhan can correct me if I'm wrong. Siobhan, good morning. Hi, good morning. Is that, How are is, you? is that right? About 22 years ago, was it an increase? Yeah, 22 years ago, the foster care allowance was introduced. So it was probably set in 1999. So you're talking, you know, the last millennium um, that the foster care allowance was set. Now, it would have been set originally. People used to pay, leave in the receipts before our time, but they used to leave in receipts to the health board. So it would have been very... Um, scientifically calculated I presume by the powers that be that this was the rate that should be given and this is what should be um, paid to foster carers so roll on to 2009 they gave a very uh, generous I suppose not increase of 6 euro 6 euro 22 years ago 6 euro in 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 2009 so 9 years later so for the last 13 years foster carers can be completely ignored so what I'm saying is in 22 years the increase in spite of everything going up year on year on year in 22 years it's been it's been 6 euro because I got a text about that saying I'm a foster carer I care for some of Ireland's most vulnerable children and young people but I can because she obviously heard me talking about this on the air she says I can I no longer feel I can stay silent I am their voice as they have no voice are children of the state they've been abused neglected uncared for they come into care traumatized, stigmatized, some with disabilities and mental illnesses. For me, fostering has been amazing, a fulfilling experience. No words to describe it. I love all the kids I foster. They deserve the best. A six euro increase in 22 years is not okay. Young people in aftercare are being ignored as well. That's not okay. Foster carers are not being listened to. Can you relate to all of that? Oh, completely. And, you know, nearly two weeks ago, so two weeks ago tomorrow, foster carers around the country watched the budget and we found that the biggest budget in the history of the state left behind the children, the most vulnerable children in state care, being raised and loved by foster carers, over 4,000 foster carers all over the country. Um, we were hoping, you know, we had galvanised as a group um, to advocate for an increase, but to get absolutely... Nothing. Yeah. And you know what? It's probably the best thing that happened that we got nothing 
because if we had been given another six euro, it may not have galvanised us as much and opened up people who were afraid to talk. People don't want to talk about money. It's a dirty word to foster carers. You feel you're going cap in hand to two slow when you need anything for your child. And unfortunately, you you have some members of the public who say that foster parents are in it for the money, right? Oh, let them walk a mile in our shoes. Let them come and live with us. Let them you know, take a phone call in the morning, can you take a child this afternoon and you have to go out and buy everything for that child. You think about the cost of bringing in a newborn baby to your home. You know, you you might be asked to take in two children who display because of their trauma, trauma. and their unmet needs, they may display, you know, higher sexualized tendencies and you're asked to split, you know, the two little girls can no longer share a room. So you're asked to remodel your house in order to create an extra bedroom. You converted a playroom into a bedroom, in fact. We, yeah, well, it was a play area that, you know, was an open plan area. Cost me €12,500. You know, that's all of the allowance. for You know, so don't say that we're looking for a lot. You know, I got no help for that. I wasn't told until about a year later in conversation that there was a home adaptation grant available from Tusla. You're not told this stuff. You know, our biggest expense... When you we did, just get, did you get it retrospectively, I wonder, even? No, oh. because we, you would have had to submit the application. You would have had to have building regs. And um, because it was an upstairs conversion, it may not have met building regs. I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, yeah. My own birth child went into that room. And, you know, it, it changes a family, you know, overnight. Here's another one. Surely it needs talking about that foster carers are too scared to come on the radio. This is somebody who was too afraid to come on, but did contact me by email. Um, And those that possibly will come on will probably have to use aliases. Fostering is in crisis and on the way to becoming the next mother and baby home crisis. Children are being neglected by the state when they are in their care. Foster families are silenced, gaslighted and threatened with removal of their precious children if they advocate for them. That's alarming. Why would somebody say that? Silenced, gaslighted and threatened. It's so true because anything you look for, you know, you know, to get help for the child is put back on you and how you parent and you may be offered, which is fantastic. We all need trauma and for parenting courses, but we don't need to do them over and over again. You know, just something you touched on there in the mother and baby homes, you know, the health boards for years were standing by the church and state and the failings, the church and state failings of the past and the abuse that was later revealed. Are we going to stand by and watch foster care as being gaslighted like this and not put in the help that's needed? You know, I went into foster care in my early 40s. I gave up my job because I always wanted to do it. It was the right time in our lives. But I didn't know that I wasn't going to be eligible for a full state contributory pension at the end of my fostering years. I'm 48 years old now, and I find out just, just from conversations that I'm going to be seven years short of my pensionable status because our time spent fostering is not recognised. We're not doing enough. So let's just drill into this. You, you would be yep. full-time at this profession. Oh, completely. Yeah, there's, yeah there's... with three young girls. Okay. We were originally approved for... One child and two of it was a sibling group, but um, three little girls came into our lives 
four and a half years ago as an emergency two-week placement and have become um, full-time members okay. of our home. And how are you, Rick, just, how, and, and absolutely, I'm, I'm quite sure that they brighten yeah. your life, but how, how are you recompensed for this? Uh, I hate touching on the ugly subject paid, of money. But, yeah, the yeah. lovely money word, yeah, I'm paid a rate of €325 Euro per child per week. Um, it sounds a lot. People would think it doesn't cost that to raise a child, but these children, there's higher needs when you're parenting traumatised children. Well, the only so, thing I can say about that is that if it was a lot, um, you wouldn't be talking at all. You'd be just keeping your head down and saying, not. I'm happy out now, this child, is good money, I'm minding the children, I'll keep my head down. You have a child that might refuse to have a shower on a given day and might smash a shower cubicle. You know, you have a child that might soil and smear quite often. You know, I'd ask your listeners, how long would they get out of a children's mattress? They, uh, mattress, they probably get a couple of years where a lot of us are changing mattresses every three to four months. You know, there's huge... Can you not submit, in, can you not submit receipts for that, just automatically? No, oh. no, that would be all living costs. So all the daily living costs of the child, so food, clothing, school uniforms, extracurricular activities, pocket money. You know, if I drive to an access visit in Galway, for example, I'm in Mayo, I wouldn't get a penny in diesel for that. If my social worker does it, she'd get probably up on 150 euro. We don't get anything until we meet a journey in excess of 150 kilometres. Okay, here's the first 150 kilometres we don't get. Okay, all the light that you can shine on fostering to get help out of the dark shame and the fear-filled shadows of the state will ultimately help children in care and all of Ireland's most vulnerable children in the future as well. They're the ones suffering now. Social worker, this this is... um, criticism of the uh, HSC social worker system. Social workers are not answering their phones uh, as they have nowhere to put the kids who need help anymore. It's real and a serious crisis and it's all down to the systematic trauma Tusla puts on foster families and children in care. The issue is most certainly not the wonderful vulnerable children coming into care it's the system. What what does that mean by uh, the systematic trauma? Yeah, a child can come into care and they're allocated a social worker. But within five years, that child can go through five or ten social workers. They're rehashing their stories. So your your request for services, they have the, ch- the social workers to get to know that child each time. And it doesn't necessarily follow on. You know, they might wait for three or four years to get access to therapies. Um, we carry all the responsibilities of parenting but without the privilege of being able to do what we want, you know, to advocate for what we think the child needs. Like, we all went into fostering with the understanding that the ultimate goal was to return the children to their family of birth. But until that can happen, we want to give them everything that their own birth parents would want for them. But surely Tusla Foster Social Workers in the HSC work with you in that regard? Social workers in the HSC and Tusla are fantastic, but they're under-resourced and over, over, um, not oversubscribed, that's the wrong word, over-allocated. You know, As in they have too many children in their care? Too many it? children, you know, and you feel bad even trying to contact them because you know they have so many. There are some fantastic foster social workers, as, as in foster girls, um, but you're, you're just another family. You're just, you know, another workload for them. Um, you know, to the difficulty in excess in financial supports, you feel you're going cap in hand. It stinks of charity. Mm, mm. 
Mm. You know, but we want what we need to raise these children. And Roderick O'Gorman, you know, last Friday announced a once-off payment of €325 for children under 12 and 352 for children over 12. A once-off gesture. That's not even going to cover the extra fuel. No, you're you're pretty much at the rate of 22 years ago. Never, even, never even take, yeah, never even taken into consideration yeah. what the last twelve months have been, inflation but wise, the needs and the cost of, of it. Children over those twenty-two years have changed considerably. You have children being born with fetal alcohol, you know, and you have <sighs> children born on withdrawal. You can imagine, you know, the sensory needs. People are putting sensory rooms into their homes. That wouldn't have been a consideration. 22 years ago. And of course you are dealing with children who have witnessed some terrible, terrible situations in their early life. So sad. Perhaps with their birth parents. They may have witnessed violence and what have you. And Um, remember those birth parents may not have got the help they needed either. You know, a lot of us are dealing with children, the children of foster children, you know, that went into aftercare and fell. So, you know, we're very compassionate too. I have a very good relationship with my children's birth parents. And I would work, you know, very positively in keeping that up and, you know, trying to get to as many, many of their own family occasions yeah. to keep pa- that sense of community. Just on that, and actually. That do that. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Just two other points for you. My friend's foster child came to her at five, remained with her family. He's now a highly achieving 30-year-old, but some of his siblings had a different experience with numerous transfers in care Uh, transfer after transfer, and they are now experiencing extremely adverse adult lifestyles, including addictions and prison. Absolutely, and that's exactly what I was talking about there, that, you know, and something else I'd love to touch on is the reliance now because of our inability to recruit to foster carers. Many new foster carers and existing are transferring over to private agencies. Now, if every foster parent in Ireland today made a request to join a private agency, TUSLA would have to find the funding. So why their absolute refusal? Now, it will be part of the strategic plan and, you know, Bernard Gloucester is advocating for an increase in it. But we need Roderick O'Gorman to release those funds to TUSLA. They are the corporate parent of these children. Yes. And to leave these 6,000. But the private agencies are being paid between 12 and 1,400 euro per week. Um, they have access to some of them, two of the main ones anyway, for sure, okay. have their own speech and language therapist, their own occupational therapist. So, you know, for me, one of my biggest bugbears would be the possible discrimination on the voice of the child that's placed in a TUSLA funded ho- household or placement compared to the outcome, potential outcomes that are there for an agency. And we want to prevent these children entering residential care, which is upwards of 6,000. So invest now in the grassroots of foster care. Let us go back to being able to recruit our friends. Here are some you know, of the texts. If text. a friend asked me today, I'd say either not do it or go to an agency. So if you heard somebody listening and heard the ad, yeah, but you heard somebody listening to the advert saying, "Would you like to become a foster parent?" What your advice would be? Don't is it? Oh no, we 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 need foster carers. We're a fantastic community. We know that the needs are there. I would say go into it very cautiously. Go into it knowing, but we want to change it. A year could change an awful lot. 
we want foster carers. We need foster carers. Foster care is fantastic. Here are some of the voices of those that went through the fostering system. Uh, I had a most uh, heart-wrenching, humbling moment. A little girl's dad passed away and we planted a tree for him. This was a little girl who they were fostering. Uh, planted a tree for him. Uh, we offered her, if she wanted to write a letter to him, to bury it in the roots of the tree. And she spent ages with lots and lots of colouring. When we looked at it at the end, it simply said, Dad, do not worry, I am safe. Safe, yeah. 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 Another one here. One little three-year-old boy commented on his first morning uh, walking down the stairs. He said, where am I? Um, look, he was looking at the photographs on the wall. Uh, we went straight down to town and printed um, a photograph of him to hang it up immediately. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. Absolutely, and that's the first thing we do as foster carers. Um, I know when I looked at some program years ago, they had this wall of foster children that had been in their home, and I thought, isn't that such a lovely thing to do? Yeah. So the first thing we do when we receive a child into our home, and you know, for what if it's a night or if it's a week or a month, or in our case, that four and a half years, yeah. a photo is taken. Yeah. And I have, yeah. you know, there's another one. They're part of our home. Friend of mine who's fostering paid over five thousand euro in dental work for her six-year-old, and Tusla haven't paid a penny towards it. Six, five grand. Oh, don't get me started. That will bring you back to the standardisation of foster care across the country. Depends on the area you're in. Depends on the principal social worker. It's due. We're, we're, our allowance covers the daily living needs. Dental work like that is not. That's outside. Of we that. all have dental there bills is with children. There. It's part of there rearing a child. There is funding there. There is funding there. And poor nutrition and malnutrition in early years leads to a lot of these difficulties. But again, it depends on the whim of the social worker. It depends on the area you're in. And, you know, passports can be paid for in one area that aren't in another. You know, a group of us met with Bernard Gloucester last January and highlighted some of these issues to him. And thankfully he listened. You know, it was wonderful that he gave us his ear and he listened to us. And within, um, within three weeks, he had made a declaration that all medical expenses for foster carers for their reviews. So every three years, a foster carer goes through a full review and it goes to the committee and you're assessed on your capabilities to, to further foster. And what part of that is um, your medicals. And that can cost up to €500, Euro depending on the information required. And in some areas in Ireland that was covered, some weren't. You know, these anomalies, because we're now talking, you know, social media is wonderful foster care. It's galvanised us together. And a lot of these anomalies, you know, there's enhanced payments, um, not enhanced payments, enhanced rights that we can look yeah, for. Because by and large, foster parents would be, would be doing this work, this compassionate work at a loss. Yeah. At a loss. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It is at a loss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, a here's loss. one now. I'm an adult. I completed a level eight honours degree, working and standing on my own two feet. I was fostered by a family all my life who I consider to be my real family. I had many social workers over the years and I do not know how my foster parents continue to work with them. I'm delighted to finally hear foster carers speaking out. My foster parents always encouraged me to speak openly and honestly with the social workers, but the social workers were not interested bizarrely suggesting that my foster parents were putting words in my mouth. The social workers used to take me out of my take me out on my own and repeatedly asked me if my foster parents were putting words in my mouth. Social workers never had my best interests at heart, only their own. I don't know how my foster parents put up with it, 
My birth family caused nothing but trouble, continuously made false allegations against my foster parents, and social workers always took my birth family's side, leading to lengthy, challenging and traumatic investigations. I've met many foster parents through my family over the years. They're the most caring, kind and loving people in the world. They open up their hearts and homes to children who need a loving home. It's a thankless job with challenging children, a broken system and constant snide comments about only doing it for the money. And that's from a chap now who's uh, up oh, and running. Concur. You can concur with everything there. It's, it's it in a nutshell, isn't it? You know, we, we are the biggest advocates for our children, but we're not considered in their care plans. You know, if there was um, the, the social worker team and the child's team would have a meeting, but the person who spends 24-7 with that child is not invited to the meeting. We're not considered as professionals in the child's okay. life. Okay. We might submit a page of a report to be read at the meeting and maybe referred to or may not. But, you know, these plans are being made without us. And you're getting the check. I keep on re- yeah. reminding myself that you get the you check. Get, you, getting the money. Yeah. yeah. No, but you also are getting the children coming through your front door under the most traumatic circumstances. Oh, you can't believe the trauma that these children have experienced. Yeah, you yeah. just you can't put it into words, and we don't. They just need to be loved. They need a lot of help, and if we have the timely interventions, these children can have fantastic outcomes. Okay, so not enough, not enough foster parents and uh, social workers with too many children on their books, if you like, uh, and of course, obviously, the financial implications of it. Just hold on there, Siobhan, if you will. Erica, yeah. good morning. Good morning. Uh, are you a foster parent? I think yeah. so for about five years now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. you heard my conversation with Siobhan and some of the texts and emails I've been reading out? I did. I did. And it all rings so true. Um, my little one is with us a little while now. Um, and one of the things Siobhan touched on is how afraid we are to speak about these things. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to give too many details. No, and, 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 I, and I, I'm very cognizant of that, but I can say that, yeah. you know, that I have heard in the past, and actually Siobhan just mentioned it, without going into your circumstances in any amount of detail, yeah. that sometimes the children that people can be in foster care are the children of women who themselves have been in care before <laughs> them. That's very sad, isn't it? It is. My little one's mom was in foster care and um, unfortunately she wasn't long out of foster care. She was with a lovely family uh, most of her life and she unfortunately wasn't able to stay at school. Um, But, you know, she was lured into the aftercare system and was out of her foster family's home um, two days after her 18th birthday. And now we have a little one because, unfortunately, um, mum just fell into the wrong circle. She did, and, and it led to addiction and homelessness, the misfortune, and not being and able to look after her own daughter, I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, which also led to our little one being born in very compromising situations. Um, it led to, even before the child was placed in our care, daily visits to the NICU. Um, in the hospital the What's baby that? was in. What's that? Uh, the special care unit at the maternity hospital um, because we knew the baby was coming into care and they wanted me to bond with the baby. Um, but what the, baby, the little mite was born with withdrawals, wasn't she? She was. She was born with severe withdrawals. Um, and she was in that special care unit for nine weeks 
in withdrawals um, and, you know, everything that comes with having a newborn baby in the house, we had to go out and buy. Um, We didn't have, you know, you don't have a cot lying around the house or a car seat within the safety regulations. And um, so we did, we went out and bought everything and the child was in our care uh, six weeks before we received the first allowance. Um, why did you? Why back. did you decide to do it? You weren't. You weren't. Because we I'm getting the impression that it's not. You're not motivated by money. I decided to do it because a friend of mine, um, her parents were fostering growing up, and we knew. I grew up with some of these foster children as my friends, um, and they were amazing young people, and you wouldn't believe the things that they'd been through, and you know, you, you hear the stigma about foster children and how they're, um, well, it was perceived for us, you know, we'd be going to a birthday party where these children were going and other children weren't allowed because the foster children were going. And it was perceived that Why? these children were Why? Stuck. Like, what's the problem? When, when they've been through trauma and sometimes you do have behavioural issues, um, it's perceived that these foster children are trouble. So, um, so could it be the case that they wouldn't even be invited in the first place to? Oh, they weren't invited, no. And if they, if they were invited, then other children in the area wouldn't be allowed to go. Treated yeah. differently to other children. Yeah, yeah. In, within the community, yeah. um, which is really sad. It is because my experience of those children is that they were some of the kindest um with a real sense of justice, you know, they wouldn't stand back and watch someone else being bullied. Yeah. They would speak up. Um, and I suppose when they experience that injustice themselves, it's very easy to use your voice. Yes, yes, um, yes. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to do it. Um, and again, I work in the healthcare uh, system. I used to, before we started to foster, and... Um, I had seen a lot of this firsthand. I had seen a lot of these little babies being born in withdrawal. You see, I, um, I, I, I really don't want to hone in on that aspect too much, but that, that just, that really upsets me that you could have a child. I mean, a, a little while ago, Siobhan mentioned children born with, um, fatal, with, with fetal abnormality because of alcohol addiction in their parent. Uh, but, and, but you're, and you're describing children who could be born literally going through drug withdrawals um, yeah, and, and like yeah. you have to witness that and, and work through that. That must be harrowing. Oh, it is. Like our little girl, even after we took her home, um, we took her home at nine weeks, and um, even for months after that, you know, I would have to strip her down to her nappy and put her straight onto my skin and just walk the floors of the house. Um, for hours, we didn't sleep. Um, well, she be just heart. crying and screaming and just in pain. Screaming. Yeah, it's not a cry. It's a very, very high-pitched, ear-piercing scream. And you know and the reason why, don't you? You know the reason yeah. why she's screaming. Yeah, yeah. Her little body is, um, her little body is craving opiates. Um, and, you know, but even down to medication that she might need, she has a surgery coming up. And we had to chat with her pediatrician about the fact we can't give this little girl opiates for pain relief because we don't know what will happen yeah um so going forward it's all it's all those things that you need to consider as well um and because of that you know she sees a neurologist 
she has speech and language, she has occupational therapy. Um, the little thing didn't walk till she was two and a half. Um, so she has all of these extra needs. And if and if you go to talk with the system in inverted commas, yeah. about this. Do you, do you run the risk that they think, oh, she can't cope, we'll take the child away? Yeah, yeah. Um, my plan was to go back to work after my parental leave. And um, unfortunately, now the, we're up for review. As um, Siobhan mentioned, the review is every three years. Um, we're up for review and... I mentioned going back to work and the social worker said, well, you know, the little one needs someone there 24 hours. And so if you're not able to give that to her, we will have to look at the suitability of the placement. You know, and this little girl is as much a part of our family as the children that I gave birth to. I know, but bear in uh, mind, though, that the social worker's best interest isn't yours, it's the child. It is the child. Um, it is the child. And removing a child at five years old, who's been with us from birth, isn't in her best interest. Um, She goes to school. Um, We have a family member willing to mind her after school who minds the other children. Um, You know, it wouldn't be too much of a change of routine for her. Um, Not unlike many other households that adapt like that, in fairness. Especially in this this climate. Um, And like Siobhan, I didn't realise that I wasn't going to be eligible for a state pension. Yeah. Um, and this little one will be with us until, you know, until she's 18, according to Tusla. But as we know, many children are, I don't know any 18-year-olds in this day and age who can afford to move out of home. No, it's taking a lot longer than that these days. Um, yeah. The texture here says that um, not all foster parents are in it for the money. Not all are the same. Uh, but I know of two foster homes totally in it for the money. They have four and five kids at 350 a child. They treat the children totally differently to their own children. I can tell you there is no love shown. Siblings split up because one of them was too much work. It's disgusting. I know not all are the same, but they're the only two that I know totally in it yeah. for the money. I think it's easy to judge when you're on the outside looking in. What I would say is if that person feels that is the case, pick up the phone and call Tusla. Let them know because nobody should stand back and watch children be abused or neglected or treated any differently. Um, and if that's the case, then pick up the phone and you know let the the state mommy and daddy know about oh, what if people start um, picking up phones and making false allegations against families and foster parents and then tying happens. up Tusla you know and social workers yeah. in unnecessary investigations is that the risk I you take that's you know we when you become a foster carer your front door has to always be open um, any day any time um, and when someone decides they want to come in and have a look around your home that's the risk that you take um, you know a social worker could knock at my door now and open it and they have every right to go through um, every room in my house and look inside my fridge and and does that happen Do, are there spot checks there are supposed to be two spot checks a year yeah um, two unannounced visits a year um, we've had one um, one a year in the five years unannounced that we've had them yeah, have you had one, Siobhan? Do you get them? Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I'd love to touch on there that um, 
she mentioned was the allegations. You know, in Feb- in June this year, 27th of June, Tusla introduced a new child abuse substantiation policies that they're going to be using for allegations. Most foster carers, I'd say the high majority, 90-95% of foster carers have not been trained in this policy. And this is going to open up Oh, we just feel so let down. You know, I had training on the 27th of September, three months after the policy became live. What do you mean by that training? Training for what? How to deal with a false allegation or an allegation at all? Well, any allegation, yeah, they've changed how they are going to... So before this, we would have been trained in allegations and how they would be managed. So our link worker would notify us and there was a, a clear policy with guidelines. Not always adhered to, but it was there. Now they've changed to the child abuse substantiation policy, so it's three stages. The first stage is that you're notified that there's an allegation, um, but you're not told what it is that can hang. You know, there's cases now that are being redirected to CAF that an allegation, and it can be anything. Okay, so first is there's an allegation, but you don't know what? It could be the child saying, I didn't have my dinner yesterday. You know, it can be anything. But you're not told what that allegation is until it goes to what they call stage two. What's that? And then they recommend that you bring a solicitor to address it. Um, it's just leaving yourself. You, when you foster, you open your house, your home and your family to the potential of allegation. We want what your commenter said there. If there are foster carers that people think are doing it for the money, Jeannie Mackers, pick up the phone and have a conversation. Yeah. You know, it may look like that, but, you know, have a chat with the foster carer. You know, get to know us and ask, you know, how, what are the needs that you're meeting? You know, you may not know that that parent has to replace mattresses or even whatever it is. You know, the first thing we have to do is buy a seven-seater car sometimes overnight. Could you, I know, but could you have a foster family with five foster children, though? Absolutely, yeah. Do we want to keep children together? Do birth parents have five children that need to be taken into care? Okay, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We may not be ready for that. And sometimes it's an absolutely huge undertaking for foster care. But we want to keep the children together. Okay, I just very much reminded of years and years ago, many years ago, and I think in fairness to Kathleen Lynch, who went on to become a TD, she was a councillor at the time, then a TD, and then a a junior minister, and it had to do with pushing the plight of home helps, you know, home care workers, who way, way back in the day, and I'm talking about the early 90s, were treated like dirt by the state and paid pittance. I think they were like paid something ridiculous, remember, like 27 or 28 pence an hour for the work they were doing. But they bandied together and um, became one big voice. Uh, it's far from ideal for them, but their voice was heard, not unlike yours should be. Yeah, I suppose we've always had a representation um, from the Irish Foster Care Association. But I a lot of us would feel that over the years, the priority seems to have you know, gone away from the needs of foster care okay. to other, you know, it's more corporate identity. So a few of us have got together under an umbrella called the Movement for Change in Foster Care. And we really want to just bring foster care back to the grassroots. We want to improve it. We don't want to stand by and hear that in 22 years' time, the same issues that people were, you know, advocating for, like in our situation, 
when I heard a comment when I brought up about the pensions and an older foster care told me here in Mayo that oh, that's the same thing we were looking for 22 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know. Nothing changes. I don't want that yeah. to happen. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to risk old age poverty. You know, do I make the decision like your other girl that, you know, we're told we you, you need to be there for your for the children in your care. Yeah. But, you know, we could work, part, you know, some of us, there may be a possibility of working part time or full time. If we return full time, will social workers do their visits outside of that? You know, if we can't afford to... But do, I mean, do social workers work restricted hours? Is it like nine to five, Monday to Friday, is it? They would be nine to five. Now, I'm in a very lucky position or I may come out in the evening if they want to meet my husband or that, you know. Yeah. Um, Erica, did you want to jump in on that? I did, yeah. It's nine to five, Monday to Friday. Um, And... You know, if you have an emergency at the weekend or at night time or in our case, um, because of my child's health condition, I needed to bring her to the hospital. Um, and there was information that I didn't have about her family health history um, and I couldn't access it. So the medical team, you know, had to just go off their best bet. Um, but I know in my line of work, we have staff 24 hours, seven days a week. We work in teams. Um, our caseload is per team. So if I'm looking after a family, um, they, they have myself as their main point of contact, but there are two other people on the team who have access to the files and they can yeah, read and, yeah, yeah. uh, so, tw- and that's just my case a lot of other foster carers are dealing with um, older children and young people who might disappear or they might not come home at night and you don't you can call the guards but you don't have any support from social services until the morning Um, and it's nine o'clock in the morning and the whole situation could be resolved by then Mm. but you've gone through it on your own and you don't have again you have all of the responsibilities of parenting without um, any of the, the decision making. Mm, okay, okay. Um, which is really difficult. All right. Um, I, I'm keen to get other calls on the air and I see texts as well and I still have a, a selection of emails to, to get through. But thank you both for outlining your own, not just your own, but speaking on behalf of all, Erica and, and Siobhan. I see another one here. Says, uh, I wanted to email them regarding people's perception of people only fostering for the money. As you said, I currently have a beautiful little girl who I've had since she was 16 weeks old. She came with a pack of nappies and three baby grows. Didn't see a payment for almost seven weeks. And uh, now come and tell me we do it for the money. Uh, the children who have come inside my door have given me and my family a whole new outlook on life. Kids in care are the most resilient human beings you could ever come across. No amount of money could pay you for the heartache and the trauma I've gone through in the few years I've been fostering. But like everyone else, I don't do it for the money. I do it for the children. You have to be in the middle of it to see exactly what some kids have gone through in their lives. And I, for one, count myself lucky to be part of their journey. And that's from Gráinne by uh, email to neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, just a quick call this side of 11. Mary, good morning. Good morning. You wanted to pick up there on, it was a text and there have been others saying that parents who foster children are in in it for soft money, was it? 
I do, Neil. I tell you, like, it's such a huge commitment once you heard from the previous ladies there. Um, if you break it down, what a foster parent gets per hour for a child um, is one little over one euro ninety. One euro ninety. Now, there's nobody in the country, if you consider it a job, which it's not, like, we go in there 100% commitment to use that children. Um, we foster a child with special needs. We have him since the newborn. He's eight now. Um, like, one euro ninety. That's it. Mm. That's what we get. So anyone who thinks someone's in there for the money... But when they might hear of a family with four or perhaps five kids... um, Okay, even those families with four or five kids, if they were in it for the money, like you feed, you clothe, you drive, that's much before you love and you commit your own, own self, your husband, your children. Like there's no money in the world, no job in the world, you know, that could pay for the commitment you do, you do give to these children, you know, you wear them, your intentions is hopefully, you know, if they're family as well, that they get back to their family. If not, you're committing for 18 years, for one year or 19 hours. No, but I'm just, wor- I'm just worried about the aspect of, say, five children from the one family who are being fostered in a family who split them away from their own children and treat them differently indicates to me that it is only about money and they're well, actually doing those children terrible outside. harm. What? That's someone's point of view from the outside. They don't really know what's going on in that family. Um, like two said, you have a good, you know, a huge grilling before you become a foster parent. Like it takes a year. They come to your home. Like they absolutely grill you, your husband, your relationship, your past. Like you go back into your own past, how you grew up, how you see the world. It's not like you just go on one day, you sign up and there you are a foster parent. These, you know, foster parents. There's a process that you go through. Oh, huge process. Like it is a year, probably a year by the time you're past. Some people are more, some people are two years, you know, before you're qualified as a foster parent. So it's not just any old Joe Salk can go into fostering. Like it's, even when you go through the process of becoming a foster parent, like halfway through you're going, oh my God, is this worth it? You know, so you commit, you commit usually for one year or 90 if somebody thinks it's for the money. Yeah, but if it's, five, if it's a family of five <laughs> children, it's, um, it's 1,600 euro a week. But they also, Neil, have five children that they have to love, care for, attend to their every need. They're different personalities. Imagine five different personalities. You know, five different after-school events they have to go to. And, like, you have one person ringing in there saying, oh, they treat them differently. How do they know, you know? Don't know, you see. I don't know. I'm just reading what I see. You know, that's someone's point of view. Absolutely, I understand that. But that's someone's point of view. And people can be bitter. But, like, for me, like, I'm a foster parent for eight years. Um, like we especially went to foster child with, with special needs so um, I don't know I can't I've not met a foster parent in those eight years anywhere that have been in it for the money Neil. Okay in defence of foster parents who are not in it for the money but for the love and the compassion towards making the children's lives better and absolutely and like yeah. our economy is going mental and we do have to commit I go to appointments every week every week like there's Crumlin there's SLT there's OT, physio, you know, we're constantly on the road. Um, And a lot of parents, you know, are in the same boat. You're on the road, you're going to meetings, you're... And it's just heartbreaking to think people would think that, you know, how shallow do they think people are that they would take up another human life for money? one euro Thank you for that. Appreciate you taking the call. Thanks, Mary. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Emerald Music Station of the Year.
Cork's Red FM. Right, let me just uh, stop for a moment, if you don't mind, because I know I have more calls with regards to uh, uh, the world of fostering and foster parents and the rights of foster children. And I see a lot of texts coming in even in the last half hour on that. I will come back to it, I promise. I believe there's also foster parents listening in different parts of the country. So good morning to all of you as well. I think the conversations are being shared on different uh, platforms and groups, but I'm I'm not walking or moving away from it, but just with a live program, different stories develop um, organically in in a live scenario, and I I don't want to miss them, and I want to give people an opportunity to share their own lives and what's happening in their lives, and with that in mind, what's happening down in West Cork is of interest, because in Bantry, uh, there has been um, a a site down there, it's, I'm being told it's a, a halting site, not too far from the super value in Bantry. I'm told that there have been um, families probably of a traveller background living on this site for well over 30 years. At the moment, there are, I believe, four caravans on the site. Uh, But a lot of developments there overnight because since early this morning, um, at least one family and possibly the others as well have barricaded themselves into uh, their caravan. And amongst them is Christina Delaney. Christina, good morning. How are you? I'm good. I, I I think your husband's outside at the moment. Is he in your inside? He is. He's outside at the moment speaking with me. My name is Christina Delaney and um, I have three weeks left to go in and have a, my third baby. Okay. Um, we were in bed this morning at six o'clock when, there were, when we heard knocks on windows and doors for to come out. They wanted me to leave my home this morning at half past six. I told them that I couldn't go because I had nowhere to go. They said, you have to go somewhere because all this is happening this morning. You're gone. Your home is getting taken from you. Your home. And I didn't know what to do, to be honest. Right. I'm under an awful lot of stress and pressure. Okay. Now you have, I don't want to know their names or anything like that, but I know you have two children with you and a third on the way in a few weeks' time. So I have two kids with me, yeah, that's right, and a third on the way in three okay, weeks' time. Okay, okay. Right. And have, have you been living on that site a long time and people before you? My husband. My husband has been living here all for the last 30 years. Okay, okay. So okay. he has. So his, his family, his, his parents before all, him? All, all, his parents before him has been here for the last 40 years. Okay. So this morning, at what time? 6 a.m.? Between 6 and half past 6. I'm not sure, but I know it was not 7. It was between 6 and half 6. We were asleep in bed. When they came knocking on our doors and they, they've woken up the kids and everything. And who was knocking on the door? The council and guards. Together? There's both of them, guards and, and council. I told them that um, I had nowhere to go. They were trying to evict me out at half past six this morning. Okay. And I told them that I couldn't go. Um, at the time, my, my, my own mother was up with me at the time because it's not long left for me to go into hospital, so she was coming up to help me with a few bits and pieces. And when they wouldn't listen to me, my mother was trying to explain to them, this is my daughter, she said, and I've been up to she for, for the last couple of days because there's not long left for her to go into hospital. And can you give her a bit of time, a bit of time to have the front door of my caravan open and they would not lock it to give me privacy. Now I have to I tell you, I have to tell you, the re- I, I, I know some people down in Bantry who got in touch with me this morning regarding this and they said that you're the loveliest family. You really that's are very right. kind and very generous. And, and there's a, lovely- a lot of people out there that's trying to help us now as yes, well. Yes, no, I just want to, that out there because I, you know, I'm listening to what you're saying, but other people are saying it as well. But why in the name of God would any guards or council knock on anyone's door at six in the morning unless they're wanted for a very serious crime that they need that's to be arrested right. for? 
we thought it was something very serious altogether, to be honest. They give me an awful fright. I start getting pains myself, to be honest. I'm not feeling too well at the moment. I told them that. I told them that already. They put a lot, a lot of pressure on me now, to be honest. And I don't know what I'm ever going to do now because I'm in my caravan and I can't leave it because the minute I leave, they've taken my home from me. And you have, you're three weeks left before birth, three, is it? Three weeks. Okay. And are they, are they aware that you're in, adv- in the advanced I, stages of pregnancy? They're aware of everything. I've stopped after telling them and I've told them everything already. Why, why we, even call at 6 a.m. in the morning? I What's don't know. What's the reason I, to I be really waking people know. at that hour of the morning? And they just wanted us out, out. To be honest, I wouldn't leave my home because I had nowhere to go. And when I wouldn't leave my home, they stood at my door and they wouldn't even lock my door in. They wouldn't, they wouldn't give me no privacy at all. My mother had to ask them, could my daughter get some privacy? And I said, this is happening today, your home is gone. Were you given advance, just to be fair now to all concerned, had you received advance notice of this? I received no advance notice. They never gave me no notice that they were coming out this morning. I got no notice at all. I'm here now. And I, to be honest, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what I'm thinking of. I don't know what's going to come out okay. of Okay, But did you ever get a letter or a phone call from somebody saying you can't stay there any longer? You have X amount of time to move or anything like that? No, this is, this is my husband's family home for the last... He's father's here 40 years. He's here, he says, 30 years. Where we are staying, there was no one ever evicted for this place that they owned this place. So they didn't. Right. Okay. Nobody and was there, like, did the air, did that site in any way, shape, or form ever have a history of trouble or anything? As far as I know, they didn't, anyways. Right. Okay. Okay. The guards weren't being called out regularly. It was. It wasn't becoming a nuisance or anything like that. No. Well, for the time up here, I've never seen anything like that. Nothing anyways, like that. Honest. Okay. No. Okay. Because the, the lads are telling me that there are maybe thirty guardy on the site. No, there's a lot here. I'm inside. The ones outside is looking at it. I'm inside. I can't leave my home because the minute I leave, it's getting took from me. And are the, children, are the children in the, in the mobile home with you upset? They're very upset. I might, my, girl, my little girl couldn't go to school this morning or nothing over them. And does she go, do they go to primary school? They do? She does. She goes to primary school. She does, yeah. In their little and uniforms and everything? Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah and they come home and they do their homework with mammy and daddy and they have their dinner and all that. That's right. Like all the rest you know, of us. Yeah, they're asking what's going on and I, just, I just don't know what to tell my kids, to be honest. And if, you, really were, if you were to go... Where are they suggesting that you would go to they hitch ha- the caravan to a to a jeep? Is it and leg it? The way it is, they're taking the caravan and leaving us homeless. They've nowhere to put us. So when they called this morning, did they say we're going to bring you somewhere else? No, not at all. They just told me that I, that I have to take the home away from us, and I told them that I was not leaving. That I need three weeks left to go to have my baby. And I said, could you not try and take the kids somewhere where they won't be looking at this? I said, no, I said, sorry, because I have nowhere to bring, put my kids. Nobody should be doing this to a yes. woman who is nine months pregnant and about to give birth. This is a travesty against women. Yes, of course it is. In my opinion. I don't know what's going to I, I don't know. I, I feel very bad now myself, to be honest. I don't know what's going to come out of this because we have no home. We've nowhere to go. And have any of the public gathered in support this morning? Um, well, to be honest, there's, I know there's a lot of people out there that's not too happy with what's going on this morning now. They're not happy at all with it. And what's happening outside? Is your husband trying to... He's con- trying to... He's, 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 out, he's out there trying to help explain to them how I've only got three weeks left to go in and have a baby and how his two children is inside of here and they can't just take the home and live, the, live as homeless like and take our home from us. But it seems like they're not listening. I'm inside doors and I can't leave it because the minute I go out, our home is getting taken from us. 
but surely they're saying you need to, but you didn't get advance notice to pack up your bags or put your things in order, you know, like anybody, anybody, because I know that it's, say for instance, right, it's county council land, right? But, But at the same time, they would give you an eviction notice and time to go. That's right, yeah. But I not, not no banging on your door at six in the morning, like you're. I got like, no at six o'clock in the morning, and I can be only three weeks left to go to hospital. And my two kids woke my two kids up this morning, or they're asleep as well. They're woken them up. What are you going to do? I mean, like they're not going away, are they? They're not going away. They're still outside the door right now, and I can't leave my home. I'm inside with my two children. I can't leave because I mean, I go out. Where am I going to go with my children? And then there's another baby in three weeks' time. What about the Traveller Visibility Group? You have, uh, what about Pavi Point? Have you picked up the phone? I have tried everything all morning. I'm trying to do everything on my power now this morning. I have to ring up Pavi Point. I'm doing everything now. I'm trying to get through to them. And there's other people out there helping me this morning as well. Right, right. <sighs> it's a tough life for travellers, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is discrimination, to be honest. It is a discrimination. I have a serious issue with a woman who's going to give birth in three weeks' time having her door banged down at six in the morning. I have to say that, six Christina. Six o'clock in the morning, I was terrible, to be honest. I didn't know what was going on, to be honest about it. Have you, asked, really have you asked the guardie to... Has he asked the guardie to give you time to back off, to calm down? I told them, and they turned to... They said to me, that would you be able to take the kids out now? They said, and when my, when my husband starts saying that my, my wife is here and she's only three weeks left to go in, one guard turned around and said to my husband, come here, Peter, come here, I'm losing my, for before I lose my patience, I'm going to lose my patience, which he said to my husband. That's exactly the response my husband got this morning now. Yeah. I'm trying to get some more information, certainly from Cork County Council as to what they're up to and the reasons behind it, because I'm sure they but have I hope a... to God that the Cork County Council and the judge themselves knows what they're doing to us this morning. They clearly must have small... gone to court, though. Would you not have been Three, aware? Two small kids and another baby on the way. Yeah. And they're putting us out of the road. And did so you where have... are we going to go? Did you have running water there, electricity? I have everything. I have everything going here. Everything. Were you on a housing list or anything like that? Um, on a housing list. I think my partner, now my, my my husband, myself. I think she, he was on the he was on the council list. He's here all his life, sir. Yeah, but are you happy with the way of life that you had there? Uh, we were getting on great, perfect. I had everything planned out for my baby for a hospital for three weeks' time. I was just up there for the last two or three days. I was getting all of the clothes fixed. I had everything done. Now they want me to tear everything out. I have nowhere to put them. I know, but I'm just wondering, you know, having did you, as a child, did you were you reared in a caravan? I wasn't reared in a caravan myself, but my husband is from here. Right. But how do you feel about living, not, not living in a three-bedroom house, say, for instance, with all of the mod cons and, and the children with their own bedrooms and things. Do you do you wish for any of that? Um, well, to be honest and truthful, the, uh, the, the way we're living, we've no choice to stay the way we are. I was ha- quite happy here before anything happened. In this home, there was plenty of room. There was plenty of everything for my kids. My kids, um, um, my oldest little girl was going to school. Everything going perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything like the, the, like, the, like the mobile home is very nice and comfortable and everything. We weren't doing our, we weren't doing or saying anything to anyone. We're doing our own thing. Okay. We were keeping outside clean. Okay. Okay. We, we, were, we were doing everything. We weren't bothering the council. We weren't saying or doing anything to the council. It's just the response now is that we're getting left out with the side of the road with our children. 
And when a, when, a, when a baby comes in three weeks' time, where am I going to put that? I know, I understand that. I, and, and I think anybody listening to this, regardless of the reasoning behind it, should be very angry that anybody is baiting down the door of anybody's home at half past six or six o'clock in the morning and there's a heavily pregnant woman inside there. It's not as if you, you're, you're not wanted for a bank robbery, for God's sake, you know? And I wanted me to leave my home at half past six. Tomorrow. No, but I mean, why, like, if they were calling, why does it have to be at six in the morning? Why can't it be at one o'clock or phone you up and say, at least give you a bit of notice? And you know my, what I mean? It just, it seems very cruel to me listening to what you're saying. My mother turned around and said it to him this morning when they wouldn't listen. Can you give my daughter a bit of space okay. and time? Okay, okay. They weren't listening. They just uh, were not listening to me. All right, so what can you see now? What I can see now is I don't know what's going to come out of this. I don't know what way I feel. I feel my, my whole body is trembling, to be honest. I feel very, very anxious and nervous in myself. And I'm inside my home and I'm locked inside with my two children and I can't leave because the minute I leave it, my home is getting taken. My husband is outside trying to plead with them and they're not listening. Can you see him out there now, Christina? Um, no, love, I'm here in, uh, in the back of the caravan talking to you on the phone. Okay, so you He's can't... outside. Yeah. Yeah, and is anybody? They, they, uh, to be they, honest, I don't want to be looking at what's going on outside because every time I look out, to be honest, I I, I don't feel right knowing that my home is getting taken off me. To be straight about it, the home that you put around you and your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it is your home, not unlike I, I my home. I can't be looking my at home. my two kids into the face, the face there to be honest. I don't know what to say to them. So why was everything okay? Why was everything okay for forty years, and all of a sudden they got a bee, a bee in their bonnet and Monday? This is what, what I'm trying to say. And there's Ukraines around the place, and they're getting housed. I know that's another story in itself. But, but but what about the other three caravans? Are they moving them? No, they're not moving them. No, but they're trying to say that we're on private property, but we're not. This is council ground. And are the other three caravans on the same site? No, they're on the far side. We're in on our own on the back. But where where my husband's father was staying for the last forty years, he was using this back w- with that many years. And the minute that the son brought in the caravan, my husband, they start complaining how they wanted it out. For to do a, a car park in for Super Value, they want to do a car park for Super Value beside it, but they already have a car park at Super Value, so they wanted to turn this into a second one. I know, I know. You see, I don't know. I'll, I'll have to find out what the county council or the Gardaí will tell us with regards to the reasoning behind it, because members of the Gardaí Shikana are human as well, and they also have children and they have families and they have mothers and wives and yeah, things so they should, they should know how it felt this morning and come well, and I, well, well, well I know but I, I, I'm wondering I'm assuming you're telling me the whole truth you see and that there's not anything else that I'm missing you know what I mean I don't know yeah. you know I don't know let's see what they have to say on the matter um, and I hope maybe I might be able to cut touch base with you again before 12 o'clock today alright in the next half thanks, hour thanks very much for calling not and thanks for everything alright okay take, take care you. for now we'll be oh, back okay. to you I don't know how quickly we can get a response to this um, I don't know if there's any media down that area whether the Southern Star are covering, covering it or, or something like that but if anybody is down in the locale that has any info do get in touch uh, text 0868104106 a big problem with half past six in the morning call or six o'clock in the morning call to a family with children inside there. I mean, why do it at that hour of the morning at all? I know I seem to be dwelling on that point a lot. I know. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Neil, I'm fuming. I'm fuming. Listening to this and having a family being evicted. Right? She's Irish. She's living there for so long. There's people getting houses and they're just coming into the country. They're getting everything. This is not not in any way, shape or form the fault of anybody coming into Ireland. I don't care, but they, there's no foreign people being evicted at the moment. They're getting houses. Well, that woman isn't asking for help from anybody. Yeah. She's quite, she's not even looking for a house. She's quite happy to live where she is with her children. And to be like this, to be treated like this, 
in her last three weeks, she should be happy to be going in to have her third baby instead of having to put up with this. Well, well, yeah, and that I, council should be ashamed. But we don't, no, I, look, bear in mind, I don't know the whole story here as to what's behind it, but it certainly seems to be an eviction. So even even if there was any kind of other issues bef- be, be, before the courts for other things, that, that has well, nothing to, to do with... Well, we have to believe we're saying there wasn't anything, you know what yeah, I mean? Well, yeah, I know, but this is an eviction issue. What people should be really raging about is the fact that in three weeks' time, she's a woman, an Irish woman, any woman yes. from anywhere. And going to be homeless. Because you could have a baby now. You could have a baby three weeks. Or she could have a baby. She could now. have the baby in the afternoon for the stress she's going through. And that's what really makes me angry, you know. That's the aspect of it. Yeah. Calling and on at six o'clock in the morning where young children are there. Yeah. That's frightening. It's, it, no, it's no way for children to see. And I have to say, I'm fuming at the idea of it. They're trying to make a woman homeless. She's not asking for anything. She's, are you asked her, would you like a three-bedroom house? And she said she's happy where she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. John, would so you turn your radio down there, John, because I'm getting feedback from you. Talk in a second. Yeah, okay. You know, so she is happy where she is, Neil. And it's a disgrace. Okay. She isn't asking for anything. And nobody else would be, you know. Look, I, I just, at the moment, I'm very angry what's going on in this country. Okay. I know it's our government should be ashamed of because they're putting us against them. Okay, That's let me give, let me get let me see if I can get some more okay, information thanks. on the backstory. Thanks for that. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. You're listening to the number one talk show in Cork, the Neil Prendeville Show. Double gold award winners at the National Imro Radio Awards. This is Cork's Red FM. You betcha. Is your radio down, John? Can you hear me? Yes, I can indeed. Yeah, man. Okay, so I'm just looking at this firsthand. Just chatting with Christina. I don't have the full story, to be honest with you, apart well, from what she's told me. Leave a note, whatever. If there is a backstory, whatever we'll say. I, I don't know. As against that piece of land or that parcel of land, but they seem to be there a long time, right? What I don't like is the tactics that's been used this morning at six o'clock. That's the problem. With the amount of guardy turning up. These are the tactics that are used by special forces. When you go after the enemy, when the enemy are at the lowest, they come in at that hour of the morning, right? And the concentration isn't a hundred percent. That's the type of tactics used by the SAS and special forces. No, I mean guardy do guardy do lift people at six in the morning, but invariably but it's drug dealers. That there they, are somebody who's a bank robber or somebody who's yeah, wanted they for assault. Do that if, if, if there's criminality, if there's a warrant out for arrest for serious crime. Right. But they turn up at a, as, as a mobile home with a heavily pregnant woman that's almost ready to, to have her child like and to have this intimidation going on. I said, I guarantee you, if this was happening to Ukrainian family or anyone that's not... What to in the name in of here, God is it with people and Ukrainians? Would you please stop with this? Like, my head, no, is, no, my I, head is fried it, from Ukrainians being brought into every single thing. Well, you see, whites be brought in. You see, like you, it can be, they can be from any country. But I guarantee it, if they were coming in from anywhere, and this happened, you'd have every NGO, every do-gooder, every lefty, every politician shouting and warning. Like, where are the people, the local people down that area? This is an Irish person, right? But is it the fact that they're travellers again, of course? Actually, they're only travellers. They're always causing trouble. This is a woman that's heavily pregnant that deserves the same respect as any woman that's heavily pregnant in this country today. And I agree that there's a six-year-old and a three-year-old inside the caravan as well, and they have absolutely no guilt upon their hands for anything. 
as yeah. a six-year-old. I mean, if I, walk, if I walk downtown, I mean, tonight, no, I guarantee you, I won't see a guard on duty. Yet there's 30 guards outside a, a caravan to evict a heavily pregnant woman. What now, in Christ's name are they doing? Somebody said 30. It might, that, you know the way people get, people exaggerate numbers, but there's a substantial amount of guardy and council workers on site. Yeah. Well, they should be ashamed of themselves, I tell you straight. They'll go away and catch a couple of real criminals, for Christ's sake. Yeah, OK. The aspect here for me is that this is a pregnant mother with two children. Yeah, that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, there may be yeah. other aspects to this story that I don't know about, but even if there is, they're unrelated yeah. to a woman who's about to no, give no, birth to... No, no, whatever about the site or whatever's involved there, or whatever, eviction orders or whatever, compulsory orders or whatever's happening in that site or who wants that site, the bottom line is this is a heavily pregnant woman and there's massive intimidation going on at this all of her pregnancy, you know, and she doesn't need it. Okay. There are court reports from the Southern Star that talk about various members of uh, the Delaney, some with 83 convictions, 17 convictions, f- previous convictions... Uh, and 38 different convictions. I, I don't know which of them uh, could well be anyone from, but there is one of them from the halting site in, in Bantry. And uh, they were, there were Delaney's before the courts on numerous occasions before Judge James McNulty involved in things like hostile confrontations with Gardaí, seizure of untaxed, uninsured vehicles parked in front of, of halting sites. Uh, I'm just seeing this for the first time, threatening and abusive words and behaviour uh, criminal damage to cars. Um, that, 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 does any, if, if that is anything to do with um, anyone in that halting site, does that make any difference? Well, all I'm worried about at the moment yes, is the woman that's mother, pregnant. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. all I'm worried about. I get yeah. you. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know yeah. what you're saying. Nice one, John. Thanks for that. Let me Thank stay you. at the phone lines. Maureen, good morning. Morning. How are you? Um, the, one, John is right, actually. It's, it's a, a pregnant mother at the end of the day with a six-year-old and a three-year-old mm-hmm. feeling barricaded into what is her home? Not unlike your home or my home. It's their home. Yeah? Yeah. yeah it's horrible. It's, ac- it's actually disgusting what's happening to that poor woman and her children. It shouldn't be going on, especially since they've been there so long. I'm just after looking up um, the legality of squatting in Ireland. And if she applies to the property registration authority, um, she could get that um, property, like, they can get permission to stay there, do you know? Because they've been on the land for over 30 years. Yeah, okay, okay. So the, the aspects of criminality are before the courts for different various issues. That, that's all irrelevant to evicting a mother and children from their, from their mobile home, right? Yeah, it's definitely irrelevant, especially when we see our own guard sergeant getting left off with a load of child pornography images because yeah. the papers weren't in court on time. Yeah, and then well. you have a pregnant woman sitting in her house and she's afraid to leave. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I see. These criminals are getting away with everything. Well, I don't see that any, any of the criminality that I've been referring to in court appearances has anything to do with the eviction of a mother and, and two small children. There's um, another one here of a... Some Delaney's as well, um, who pleaded guilty. Actually, they um, they carried out an unauthorized collection for the Jack and Jill Foundation um, uh, for their own benefit. Apparently, you know stuff like this. Uh, we've had a terrible traveller with one brush. I mean, there's people, there's people from the Settlers community doing the exact same, and yeah. a lot worse. Yeah, I know. Actually, as I said, there's members of the force. All right, okay. Let's let's leave that. I understand so. what you're saying there, but you know, a lot of that stuff was was possibly not publicised in the papers. Okay, yeah, all right. All right. Under the rug. Thanks for you that, Maureen. It's only pettiness. They're being petty. 
So if you're if you're even on council land for forty years, do you have squatters' rights then? If you're if your family's yeah, been yeah, it's on council land for thirty years. If you're on council land, and ten years if you're on, or twelve years if you're on, I suppose public. I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and like say for instance a derelict house that you do up or something. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah you could yeah. ten years for that. As a, as a woman though, how would you feel about a nine month pregnant mother and two children? I'm actually pregnant myself at the moment. I think it's horrible. It's absolutely disgusting. She has enough now to be dealing with than that. You know, she she should be getting prepared and getting ready and enjoying the last few weeks before it comes so that she can, you know, spend time with the baby. And this isn't going to be very good for her health. Are the unborn baby? Are the unborn baby? Yeah. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you, Sheila. And uh, I don't know how much more I can get to air on this in the limited time that's left because it just started a break there with me um, just after eleven o'clock this morning. But if anybody has any updates in that regard, or if anything changes between now uh, and uh, midday today, I certainly will come back to it after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. Oh eight one eight one zero four one zero six. Much earlier this morning, I was chatting with Paul Amani, who was in DePaul and then went on hunger strike, was promised a place in the Commons. And then because of some uh, verbals with um, somebody in DePaul, another resident who was unhappy, he said, with him going on hunger strike or highlighting the conditions in DePaul, he was then told he wasn't going to be allowed to move to the Commons and was asked to leave. So he's now homeless again. Indeed, his brother Jamie is also. Uh, I asked him, did he have a copy of whatever uh, communication he got from um, Cork City Hall, uh, certainly from the APS office that deals with, um, you know, uh, I suppose allocating uh, homes or homeless accommodation to people like Paul. And he sent me a copy of it and it says, Hi, Paul. Unfortunately, due to the incidents that allegedly occurred last night in DePaul Hostel, we are no longer able to proceed with the move for you to the Commons Inn. Please contact APS office for a referral to Cork Simon if you need accommodation. So he lost his place in DePaul. He had the Commons in um, room taken away from him and he was told, get on to APS and we'll see if they'll put you into Cork Simon. It's interesting though, these allegations against him um, allegedly occurred last night in DePaul. So a decision was made on the basis of an allegation. Um, although the text does seem to say that it was incidents as opposed to more than one. Um, why was Paul offered a room at the Commons Inn when, according to the council, they're only housing refugee women and children there? Haven't they already put homeless people out of the Commons? It's a ploy to push Paul and Jamie out of Vincent's for highlighting a huge problem on Side. Not everybody is as sympathetic, though, though, because uh, a text here says people like Paul expect everything to be handed on a plate to them. They blame everyone else. Why in the name of God would he be homeless for 10 years? Another one, he needs to stop blaming the government, City Hall, Vincent's and everyone else. He needs to grow up, get a job and pay his rent and his mortgage like everyone else. This sense of entitlement in this country disgusts me. Working hard every day to pay my mortgage and my bills. Why, oh why, says Marie, doesn't Paul get a job like we did? We would all have been in this position if we expected someone else to give us a room or a flat or something. No one ever, ever gave me anything. And I left home at a very young age. You have two legs. You have to stand on them. Come on, Paul. Cop on, says Marie down in Clon. Uh, so that's a selection of texts from earlier on this morning. Massive amount of texts and stories from people involved in foster care. And don't even talk to me about uh, bad driving texts. They keep on coming in. Uh, those incidents in the tunnel are reported with the time 
if those incidents you describe in the tunnel are reported with the time it happened to the guards, then why can't the guards just request CCTV footage from the tunnel management and proceed with a prosecution? Well, in my own case from yesterday, I didn't call any guards. I didn't, um, you know, in any way, shape or form make any big deal. I just rang the haulage company and said, you got a crazy driver who just went through the tunnel and needed nearly caused a huge, big pileup. You need to explain to that driver about the rules of the road or indeed the rules of not deciding just on a whim to change lanes in the middle of the tunnel and drive into drive across oncoming traffic. Listening to you talk about your close call with the truck, I cycle with my triathlon club weekly and the risks we cyclists see drivers take is insane. Overtaking us on bends, speeding, texting while driving, to name but a few. I know cyclists can have a bad name, but our group and most of us do follow the rules of the road. But we are the most vulnerable road users, so it's in our best interest to follow the rules of the road. But I can't understand why a driver would risk injuring or killing themselves or others just to get to their destination quicker, usually gaining, at best, a few minutes. Uh, Morning. The reason people run red lights is they know there's a few seconds delay until the stopped car traffic light goes green, says John. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. There is that tiny little gap of time. And people are racing through red lights because they know the green isn't changing for the others anytime soon. So keep those coming. Text 0868104106. Marion, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Um, I just want to say I agree with you 100% regarding the Ukrainian situation. No, I just, okay. I just, I just, I, 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 get, a bit, I get, embar- get a bit embarrassed for Irish people if we keep on blaming Ukrainians for everything that's going on in this country. I just think it's, a, forgive me for saying it's a little small-minded. The way I look at it, Neil, these people are running from a war-torn country, right? They're not coming in here claiming this and that. The fault here is the Irish government making the Irish people very angry. And, um, for instance, Paul. Okay, I know I, I was listening there what people were saying. He should get up and walk in my Yeah, yeah. Paul get off his ass. Grow. They're up. saying, get off your ass. Grow up here. And like the rest of, but it's very hard to get off your ass, grow a pair, and get a job when you're living you in a hostel. Got an address. Exactly. But like that, like Paul is only one of hundreds of people walking the streets. For instance, Bridget at the moment is that her name down in um, Mantry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That is a disgrace. That again. Forgive is me. The it's not. No, I, have, I just got my note. It's my, it's uh, Christina. Christina. Christine, sorry. Yeah. Neil, we can't blame the people coming into this country. We can't blame the people that are walking the streets. We can't blame all the families that are living in cars and living in hotel rooms. We should be out there protesting against what the government is doing. It's making the Irish people very angry. But what we must understand is we did it. We went to America. We went to Australia. We went to England. Like the Irish bit half of England. Yeah, I know. I know. Right? Yeah. Like what's going on here, we did back in the 40s, 50s and 60s. But what we must understand is the, the Irish government are making the Irish people angry. And when you make them angry, they, like they're picking on the first thing. And it's, first it's, thing it's, it, it makes perfect sense to me that people would look at vulnerable groups who, are, who they feel are getting more and getting it faster. I understand all of that. But for God's sake, like you know, with, with a, mo- a pregnant woman and two children down in Bantry, and I know that, that, that I know there's loads of court reports about the Delaney's in West Cork. I'm getting texts saying that they cause the Delaney's cause lots of hassle in the Bantry area and they're before the course. I understand all yeah, of that. She, she's not doing that. 
No, nor are the two small she children. She's the mother rearing her children. Yeah. Actually, I got onto a lad. That's what Pavy Point. When I heard that she could that she couldn't get onto Pavy Point, I got onto TJ who uh, TJ uh, Hogan. He's um. Is he aware he of what's Pavy going Point. on down there now? He wasn't at the time I rang him, but he is now. Yeah. Okay. He is now. I understand. I understand is, people's upset when they see others. And I, yesterday, and we talk about people jumping queues and getting preferential treatment on housing lists. I understand all of that, but like we should be angry with those that are. Managing the government, managing the, exactly. the, the country's finances. That's exactly what I'm saying. And then the government turns around and says, oh, we're going to give you double weeks, we're going to give you extra money. That's to keep us quiet. That's to keep the people quiet and happy. So, but double weeks is not going to keep a family warm for, for, for the whole winter. A bag of coal is something like 43 euro now. Yeah, I know, I know. A lot of people you know, haven't put a lot of people haven't put their heating back on, or if they have put it on, they well, put it I on for an hour in the evening. I, an hour in the evening. I have a stove, so that keeps me going in yeah, the, the living room. I know, I know. No, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah, I know. I know. People who want to understand this, right? They are, they are like they're listening to what's going on with Ukrainians, with anything else that's going on. People getting this, getting that, and they're angry at those people. They shouldn't be angry at those people. They should be angry at the people. You see, I if like I, people are con- I keep on getting te- texts and people say to me that Ukrainian refugees are getting houses. Like, I know of no Ukrainian family that have come over here from Ukraine as refugees that have been put in a three-bedroom house with their children. Do well, you? I do need. I do. I do. I know. I know. I, I know of council. I know of council properties. One of them. There's. I think they're they're renting. Um, there's, there's oh no! Go- I haven't heard of them being put into council houses. Accommodation. No, no, no. I, I know the temporary accommodation has been sought that the government are yeah. paying for, right? But I don't yeah, know if any Ukrainian families said have been told, "Here's a house. It's all yours. Off you go now. Get yourself a job. You'll pay nominal rent, uh, and here are all your benefits, and you can stay as long as you want." I, th- 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 what we have is temporary. Temporary. But, need but do you know of anyone? Like, for instance, do you know of anybody that was has been given a city council or a county council house? No. Have had other people no. on a list for the rest no. of their life? No, we have a family living on our road. They're Polish family. They're a lovely family. She had two little boys. She was on the list for ten years. Yeah, but do people have a problem and with that? Walking. Like, no, she's walking away. Kids going to school. Kids are up playing with the other kids. Okay, they're just a normal family. Okay, okay. Actually, right. she's a lovely person. Of course she is. Why wouldn't she's she be? She's like person. the rest of us, like everybody else, she's trying to raise her like family, going out she's to work, hard. sending her children to yeah, school. She's working hard. She's cleaning in a hospital and she's on her own with her two boys and she has a beautiful, spotless home. All right. And she's no different to your me. Okay, all right. But Thanks, Mario. Thanks a lot. People who want to get their act together here all right. and get to the streets. Thank you so much. Um, anybody wants to correct me, take me on or disagree, feel free to do so. Oh, you can text 0868-104-106 and we can pick up on all of this in the morning. That's as much as I know. Uh, obviously, listen, I've said it a million times before, there are three sides to every story. There's one side, there's the other side, and there's the truth somewhere in the middle. And that's the way I've always found. But I'm just giving you the story as it's been unfolding to me. So you can get involved if you wish. If there are updates, we'll come back to them as to what's happening down in that area of Bantry right now. I have nothing further. I have no further updates on it. Uh, Staying with topics from earlier on this morning, and uh, my apologies for jumping on topics, but I will be coming back to more foster care stories in the morning. I promise you that. Susie amongst them. Susie, good morning. 
Good morning, Neil. Okay. I'm not correcting you, okay? But I do want to make a point. Please do. You said you had a problem with people taking in large number of children. Me? Well, yeah, you were saying that, you know, you would question a foster family who had five or six children. Oh, no, I'm saying, would it not be fair to question as to why a family would have five or six foster children when you be okay. looking when you will be looking at say fifteen sixteen hundred euro a week being paid by the state that it might be motivated by money okay can I answer that for you yes please you have you have biological moms who are going from Simon Idel house on the street they're vulnerable and they do have five or six children and they are not able to look after these children now you answer me what's best keep them, that family unit together or spread them around the, co- the county. And I tell you, the best thing is to keep them together as much as you can. You know, I, I remember years ago, I had three came into my care and I discovered there was two more in North Cork. Yeah, I, I, want to just, I don't want to do anything that would identify children or no, families that they came from. Just bear that in mind, it's very important. Yes, this is 20 plus years Doesn't ago, matter right? how long ago it was. I don't, right. don't need but, the grief from the courts. Yeah. Okay. The three didn't know very much about the other two. And I did my level best to get them together as a unit as often as we could. I doubled the size of my house so that they could spend time together. And they today are the best of friends. I know of a, of a couple of mums here in, in Cork and they have siblings. And they save up and every two years, the whole lot of them go on holidays together so that all the siblings can be together. Yes. So that is all. No, you're talking about 1,500 euros. Remember, each one of those five or six children all have issues. So you have five times the amount of appointments to be going to. You have five different amounts of different issues. Mm. But where's your 1,500? It's gone. Absolutely gone. No, and listen, don't, don't for a moment think that I want to be antagonistic towards the do great people who do great work. There was a text earlier that said the two foster homes... Totally in it for the money. One has four kids, the other has five. It's three fifty a kid, Neil, and they treat the foster children totally differently to their own children. There's no love shown to them. Um, they don't bother because it's too much work. It's disgusting. Now the texter also says, "I know they're not all the same, but the two that I know of are totally in it for the money." Now I could do one or two things there. I could read that out, or I could ignore it. I chose not to ignore it. Yeah, yeah, you have to. There's every every different type of foster care out there, and there's every type of angry biological parent as well, because nobody wants their children in care, and nobody accepts that you know I'm not able to do it, and that somebody else is minding my children. This this is this is true, but the, the, but I'm I'm not motivated to cause problems for um, foster parents. It's actually the oh, opposite. Okay. No, 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 you've been brilliant for us. I mean, this this, this airtime that you're giving us, you know, the true stories are coming out. And me as a foster carer, I'm I'm reading stories online every night. And my God, they're from foster carers and they're from birth, from foster children. And I tell you, you'd want to have a heart of stone to get through them without being emotionally. Because you're reading the stories of what the children have gone through in their very young lives, isn't it? Yes, yes. And, And then they're coming to homes and we're calling it the invisible um, bag at the moment. It's it's a trauma and um, training that we're doing. But, you know, they're coming from horrendous difficulties. They're then made come into a home where they know nobody. 
and if they are being brought along to different events that they don't know anything about, at the time they don't understand why all this is happening. They tell their story to a social worker. She promises them, I'm going to try and do this for you. But she's burnt out after a couple of months or a year or whatever. And they, they could go through five or six social workers. In when you say burnt out, do, do social workers quit? Oh, yeah. Well, there's a huge amount of burnout because they're dealing with 20, 30 families. You know, they've, they've, they've loads of children on the caseload. Yeah. So and they get burnt out. Yeah, yeah. Do they, yeah, do they feel that they're just kind of drowning, like, is it? Well, absolutely. Like I said, we're all drowning because the system is just not working for us. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it's, yeah, it, it's, it's so rewarding. I wouldn't give it up for anything. Okay. Oh my God, it's hard. Okay, <laughs> listen, I'll have more calls and texts on it in the morning, but thanks for your contribution. But let us shine, let us shine a light on it more then, Shah. Yeah. Absolutely, Neil, and thank you. Okay. We can't thank you enough for what okay, you're doing. Okay, thanks, Susan. Thank Take you. care for now. Thank Cheers. You. Text 0868104106. If you have a story to share, whether you yourself were fostered or indeed you're a foster parent, you can always email neil at uh, redfm.ie. And what I didn't get to today, I'll pick up in the morning. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. Tomorrow's another day, but George does say by email, 6 a.m. in the morning, calling is a shock tactic. Uh, but he's quite critical, maybe, of uh, many people who might, he think, might think, uh, I would surmise, he thinks that we have a bleeding heart when it comes to a story like uh, the guards and the council beating down a door at six in the morning, he says, because he says same thing happened as travellers, you know, are known for violence, simple as. But that's a ridiculous statement because you could, you, like, that's like generalising against every single traveller or every single person because of the colour of their skin or their religion and everything. But anyway, he says, what are you meant to do? What are the guards going to do? Are they going to tell them they're coming? Some of them will get their families and their cousins and bring in muscle and threaten the authorities. That's why they go early in the morning and tell nobody. Oh, and by the way, Neil, the sob story with the baby and the child is a nice little angle to get the story going. So there we have it, a community with a history of violence, and you've been reading out some of it from the court reports. And we champion on the radio those who contribute nothing to society except problems. Okay, George, thankfully we're in a democracy, but you're generalising there, man, and you're broadening your uh, painting with a very broad brush, and I think that that's unfair to be that broad. I will pick it up in the morning, though, uh, but last bit of business for now. Uh, I want to have a quick chat with Lorna, a bit of a predicament. Lorna, good morning. Hi, how are you? Now, I know this is very serious for you, and uh, it would be great to be able to resolve it, right? You came back yeah. from Amsterdam Sunday night on the Aer Lingus flight, picked up the wrong suitcase. Yeah, so I picked up the wrong suitcase on the conveyor belt. It was actually the exact same as mine, but I just never checked the contents before I left the airport of the suitcase. Until you got home? Until I got, woke up the next morning and realised it wasn't mine. Because like, um, you didn't find a suitcase full of crispy 50 pound notes right then no unfortunately not right. no it was um, so I opened up the suitcase and obviously realised it wasn't mine so I brought it back to the airport um, there was a, the name on the tag of the person who owned it, the suitcase so when I brought it back I was hoping that the girl with the same suitcase as me either picked it up and looked at it just noticed it wasn't hers and left it there right but um, no so the suitcase had been taken as well so I'm just hoping. So that you have something. Roisin King's suitcase, yeah. luggage, and personal well, items. Back, yeah, it was. I brought it back to the airport, so the girls in the airport have it now. So surely she'll do the same at some stage. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I mean, like I haven't heard anything yet as of now from the airport, um, but I'm hoping that like 
because you see there there was a school tour as well there was a bunch of there was a bunch of kids on the total confusion the, I'm constantly picking up people's suitcases because I'm yeah, t- I'm t- yeah. stupid and there was a bunch of kids on the plane as well coming back from Amsterdam on their school tour so the girls in the airport were saying that it could have been one of the kids as well but that was that Sunday this is Tuesday. Tuesday you'd think at this stage whoever it was would be back in the airport looking for their suitcase like you Amazing. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm hoping for. People always say to me, you need to put a, a pink ribbon on it or a blue ribbon or a mark. Because to me, suitcases all look the same if they're black or yeah. grey and brown, you know? Yeah, this was a cream and white Mickey Mouse Disney case. Um, and you mean there were two of them on the belt? Like, two Mickey Mouse? Yeah, two with the exact same case. What so obviously chances? I picked up hers and I was hoping that either some her or somebody belonging to them is listening and... and um, Give me back my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing perishable in there, no? Uh, all, well, all my expensive makeup and stuff like that would be in the case. Oh, and, you got to get all that uh, back. Okay, so there's a Roisin King who maybe does or doesn't know that you have her luggage and she has yours. And if anybody's yeah. listening, to get in touch with me so we can reunite the people with their right suitcases. Yeah, please, and thank you. Before I let you go, there's three three of us here, has to be three men today. And in the ad break, do you want to know what our conversation was? What? We were asking each other if your suitcase was full of cash and it was us, <laughs> would we give it back? We all said. I, I don't, to be fair, I don't. I think if someone opened a suitcase full of cash, I don't think it would be given back to their owner. I think you're right. <laughs> I think, on the I basis think we'd of the, all be going on a mad one. On the basis of the conversation here, the last four or five minutes, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't think many people would give that back now, or they'd take a lump sum and give the rest back. <laughs> oh no, I think you need to take it all or none at all because that, that's yeah. where you get tripped up. You'll be caught then. You see. <laughs> that's perfect alright let's see what happens and see if we can right. uh, if we can relocate and uh, reunite yeah. you with your luggage alright thanks Lorna cheers thanks Neil bye alright anybody that can help it's fairly straightforward either there's somebody listening who knows who um, uh, Roisin King is um, or not so get in touch text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 0818104106 have a good day I'll see you tomorrow for more Red FM podcasts go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts